What's up, y'all? This is Drew. Drew Wap, one-third of Lady Boys International, creator and owner of streetwear brand Chances Make Champions, and you are now tuned in, tapped into the first episode of the Point Guard Mentality Podcast, which is presented by Chances Make Champions. And um, first things first, um, thank you guys, you know, for choosing to support the brand outside of just clothing, you know, press and play on this episode. I really appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to spread like the meaning and the overall ethos of the brand in different directions. And um, a lot is gonna come of that, but thank you for choosing to support this outlet first. And um, secondly, a big, big thank you to Corey for allowing us into his space. Um, and just talking over about like the course of his career, starting in Philly and uh, in that budding creative scene and then where he is now DJing and um, doing that for a living now. So, you know, it was just really dope to hear him talk about his beginnings, you know, his trial and error, what he has to go through and where he's ended up now. So, you know, this episode's a bit lengthy, but I really feel like you guys are gonna benefit and just like appreciate the overall game and the gems that Corey just had to impart. And, um, you know, before we start or the episode officially starts, just want to give out the socials. Um, my Twitter and IG is Inman Park Legend, I-N-M-A-N Park Legend. Corey's is uh, C-O-R-Y-T-O-W-N-E-S. Uh, the Liddy Boys Twitter and IG is L-I-T-T-Y, boys with a Z and an I-N-T-L. And the brand is Risky Champions on Twitter and championvision.us on IG. So um, once again, thank you guys. Uh, and thank you to Corey. And without further ado, here's the first episode. Yo, what's going on y'all? This is Drew from uh, Lady Boys International. And this is the first episode of the Point Guard Mentality Podcast. Um, I'm glad that uh, you guys are tuning in to the first episode. Real excited about starting this podcast series under Chances Made Champions, which is also a streetwear brand that I own that I started this year. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited to, you know, talk to as many guests and people I, I, I admire and people I, I aspire to be like as possible. So, um, you know, with that out the way, that introduction out the way, I want uh, the guest to introduce himself. Liddy Boys. <laughs> I don't know. When I, when I heard Liddy Boys, I, uh, the first thing I thought was like the old like real trap shit. Oh, yeah. Gangsta, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need you gotta get uh, you gotta record that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was looking part. for tags like that so bad. Like if there was like a custom tag with that voice, but I could never find it. Like, oh damn. And I, I wonder. I, so with with things like that, I always wonder like who that person is and like mm -hmm. what's their life story. Like what's oh, yeah, like, like, like the dude that doesn't like work. like at what point did did he decide that he was gonna be the. Uh, the vocal tag for like rap mixtapes everywhere. Like, imagine if he's like some like fifty year old. It's like, crazy because like I'm like nah, that can't be the same person. Cause like is that really like Rich one person? Shit. I mean, I think it is. Like I remember I had a uh, I had an app on my phone. I had a, a Trapaholics app on my phone that was like a soundboard. Oh really? And it had the same dude doing all of the same uh, all of those ad libs like real trash it was shit. an app is it still like around so i don't think they updated it like since like new operating systems and shit like once right, i got right. my new phone like i had it on my old phone um but yeah you know i mean plus no one's really heard i haven't heard i feel like i've seen a video of dude in the studio doing it that's fine like that's fire but i'm like, like but there's so many people that can imitate dude that i'm like is it him or is it just like somebody that they oh, had to see he he, he, do, he the real he the yeah, official yeah. like if it ain't him i don't even want it like i, I need that 
I need that stamp. Yo, that feeling you used to get when you hear that, like right before a song. Damn, starts. son, where'd you find? Like, yo, like what? Yeah, 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 like side story. But um, my boy, my boy KG, he lives a block away from me. He mm. used to make CDs, like a gang of CDs, when we were like thirteen, and mm. I found them. I found him like two months ago. That's hard. And there was a young Jeezy make CD, and I was like, oh, this is it. Like, like all the tag, it was just like super nostalgic. Yeah. Um, did we totally got sidetracked? Yeah. Uh, what? How should I? What do you want me to say? How should I say it? Shadow. Um, I mean, I'm gonna start. I guess I should start with the question, intro question on uh, every episode, and the first one would be like, who is Corey Towns? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, aside from you know labels or anything that's put on you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that you may work under or work as, like who is Corey Towns and what makes Corey Towns a champion? Corey Towns is a creative from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who lives currently in Brooklyn, New York. And the thing that make Corey, the thing that makes Corey Towns a champion, I would probably say is. One, I would say it's his inability to talk in third person. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think the thing that makes Corey Towns a champion is his, is his resiliency, um, whether he realizes it or not. Mm. Um, his ability to pivot and his ability of change and his ability to kind of tap into various different things um, and, you know, his ability to keep going and always kind of like coming out, right. like making it. Right. So um, I know you've done like a bunch of like podcasts before that mm-hmm. have like chronicled like your beginnings in Philly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know doing interviews and running around mm-hmm. amongst like the uh, Philly creative scene. But um, I think where I want to start at is you know your move, you know that first big transition from moving mm-hmm. from your hometown to a place that you know is familiar because you know you come back to New York and Philly back and forth it's For pretty sure. close. But now this is the spot you're living, and I heard you mention something. Oh, man, I wish I could remember the name of the podcast. But it was a real interesting uh, term. It was called the mid-midlife crisis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, can you go into, you know, what that is? Or- yeah, so um, so my move, my move into, my move to New York uh, was back in t- 2013. Um, I think my move to New York kind of starts, I think, earlier that year. Uh, not in September. I moved to New York in September 2013, but I would probably say... It starts actually before that year. I'll probably say it starts in like 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I made like a very cognizant decision to. I made a very cognizant decision that I was going to work towards moving to New York. Right? right. So like, you know, I was in Philly at the time. Um, I was working at the Apple Store. <laughs> uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, I was I was crafting my own lane as far as like you know interviewing artists and stuff like that when it came to Philly and. You know, I had a good relationship with the Philadelphia branch of Live Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would host shows and stuff like that. So I was kind of, that was like the first steps of like me as a creative, um, as an individual. And, you know, I, I remember 2011 was around the time that I was just like, you know what, I'm going to move. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move to New York. So I think various different things in, in those two years, in that two year span between 2011 and 2013, uh, put me in position to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a very big benchmark of that was, I'd probably say in like maybe late February, early March of 2013, um, I guess I was working at the Apple store and this dude that I had went to middle school with um, came into the store. Uh, it, was my, it was my 
well, he was what would be now my one of my best friends and my actual my roommate, okay, well. um, Chris Thomas. So Chris came into the store, you know, like like I said, we went to middle school together, so we knew each other. You know, I hadn't seen him like off and on through like a couple of years or whatever, and I remember his cord needed swapping, mm-hmm. and like. I was I was I was one of the cool niggas in the Apple store. So oh, like if he was the homies, like I'm not gonna make you charge for a cord, I'd be like, Oh, it has a defect. I'll take a oh, okay. old cord out of the box, put it back in. Hopefully, you know, statute of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people's doing that in the store. <laughs> um but you know, like I said, and I saw him, he's like, Yeah, man, my cord my cord is messed up and I just like swapped him out with a whole new charger. That's crazy. So how, like that small interaction. Yeah, yo, yeah. legit. Like <clears throat> and um, you know, we start talking and you know, everything. And he told me that he was faced with a dilemma because I guess one of his like real, real close friends was getting married in Atlanta in like two weeks. But he had looked up some people who worked at Fader Magazine on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and through like email conversations had managed to find himself a spot working for Fader in Austin, Texas for South by. And he was just like, yo, he was like, I can't go because it's my man's wedding like the same weekend would you want to go in my place? And I was just like, mind you, like, again, like, me and Chris knew each other, but, like, we weren't necessarily, like, I would say friends in middle school. Um, But it was always love whenever we saw each other. And, Mm -hmm. like, just kind of, he's two years younger than me, so, like, you know, just seeing each other, like, around Philly and shit. So I was, like, dumb surprised. Um, So he put me in contact with, you know, some reps from Fader. I remember I had my my quote-unquote interview uh, coming home from work on the bus one day. And next thing you know, they're like, yeah, you know, if you buy your plane ticket, like you have, like, we'll get you a place to stay. You know, you'll work on the farm team, which is like Fader's street team. Oh, okay. Um, down South by. And I think the reason why that was so important is because that trip showed me that, number one, it showed me that New York was a reality. Or moving to New York was a reality. And two, it showed me that I knew a lot more people than I thought I did outside mm-hmm. of Philadelphia. Right. Um, just that overall experience, just working with Fader working on the team, meeting people and stuff like that. Like, you know, there was times like my two roommates, my man Dylan uh, and my man Chris, you know, Dylan was from Delaware and Chris was from Hawaii. Like, I mean, we went out one night and, <clears throat> and landed in some like, you know, this one South by was still kind of like very organic. So like cats was having like parties and shit. I remember it was like Casey Veggie, Schoolboy Q, fucking Absol. It was just, and yeah, like just lob, time, rap niggas yeah. like around and like in the function. And like I remember, I saw my man Jill Bear, who's who was like kind of on the rise in Philly oh, as a Forte? rapper. Jill Bear Forte. Yeah, I saw yeah. Jill Bear, and I saw his brother De Niro um, at the party, and like seeing them. Obviously, I knew them. They like I started introducing me to Mad Niggas, and then you know, so I, I, I introduced me. Oh, this is my man Casey. Or, oh, this is my man Q. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, damn dog. Like, you know, I'm meeting these niggas. Like, oh, that's kind of crazy. But like the two dudes who are my roommates are looking at me like, who are we rooming with? Like this, yeah, this nigga knows yeah, everybody. Right. And it really just showed me that I was like, damn, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not as, well, I might be a little bit more known outside of the city than I thought. Um, so, and I came back from that trip with just like a very much like a, like a, I don't want to say re-energized mindset of moving to New York, but, you know, I kind of came back on my ground, like I'm going to do this shit. And within maybe six months, um, you know, one of my, one of my real good friends, my fraternity brother, he had got hired um, earlier in the summer to work at an advertising agency in New York called Translation um, that Steve Stout owns. Right. And at the time, Translation was an agency of record for Budweiser and like, you know, obviously Budweiser with Made in America. So I remember um, 
JP was his name. JP came back to Philly um, to work the festival. And I remember me and him driving around Philly one day, like while he was home. And he was just like, you know, he's like, have you ever thought about being a copywriter? And I was just like, I don't know what a copywriter is. Like, I don't know what that means. And he basically kind of was just like, look, man, he's like, I'm telling you, you're going to be good as a copywriter. Like, I see you on, I see you talk funny shit on Twitter, but you also know how to make very concise points mm-hmm. with a very limited amount of characters. So like, you can basically land a, the, you can basically land an idea in 140 characters. Yeah. That's a copywriter. Yeah. You'd be a good copywriter. And you wouldn't like think that because you're just like, yo, I'm just, I'm just, I'm tweet. just tweeting. Yeah, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, yeah. I'm just tweeting. Like, you know, basically, but I mean, when you think about it, you know, you're only given 140 characters and you have to find, you have to, you know, you kind of train yourself, you know, depending on what you're saying, what you're tweeting. Yeah, it's like you train yourself like to, yeah, like to, to get whatever you need to get out, out in those 140. So, um, you know, he put me in contact with the HR person. I remember they gave me like a writing test of like, you know, provide sample copy mm-hmm. for, you know, some shit. Um, I did it. I had an interview. I, I remember I left Apple, told Apple I was sick and I went to New York. Like that same and day, did what you had to do. Did what I had to do. Um, and I remember they had me on hold for like, damn near like maybe like three weeks, three weeks almost to a month. So like, I'm working at Apple, kind of waiting like, did I get the job? Did I not get the job? Like, whatever. And um, JP had hit me back. And he was like, look, I'm gonna I'm keep it real. Like, I kind of know what's going on. They basically like you and they like this other girl. And this other girl's moving from LA. Um, She's moving from LA, I guess, leaving her job to come work here. They're thinking about hiring you, but essentially you would only have two weeks mm. to like do the job because that's the time period of like when she's gonna show up. Oh, like a temp, pretty much. Like a temp, but they weren't gonna tell me it was some temp shit. Oh, like, okay. So he had to tell you. Pretty he kind of was just like, "Look, I'm telling you what what might happen. Um, you know, basically, you would have two weeks, and then they would kind of figure out if they want to like keep you or not. So. I think he told me that, and I think like the very next day, I remember I'll never forget it, I had my yearly review at Apple. And with Apple's culture, is very progressive when it comes to like retail, but like, you know, any, if you ask anybody who works at Apple, like they be on some shit. So I remember I had, <laughs> um, and I remember I had, I had my, my, my yearly review, and like I remember they're asking, you know, they had pulled my numbers, and I was, I was pretty good as like a salesman and shit, like just selling shit, helping people, like, you know, they always, if ever somebody, like, gave a ranking of their interaction, it will automatically come back to the person who helped them. So, like, oh, okay. you know, if I help somebody, if I help some old woman reset her Apple ID, which is the fucking worst if you ever <laughs> listen to this shit, um, you know, you would get, like, a positive review and it would go on you. So, like, yeah. my, my reviews were pretty good. And, but, like, my management, the management team really didn't fuck with me like that because um, I was always switching shifts on weekends because around that time is when like I started like writing freelance so I started writing freelance for Vibe magazine um I started writing freelance for the website the griot um so I would like you know they would put me on assignments in like the Philly area and I would have to like swap shifts right obviously lower level managers hated that shit my store leader loved that shit he was like yo man I see you really trying to do something so on and so forth so long story short in my meeting they're like we're gonna give you a quarter raise and I'm like, bet, nigga. Like, I think I was making like 14, 15 an hour. So I'm oh, like, okay. a quarter of a quarter of that is whatever it was, yeah. whatever, however money amount of money. 
And so I'm mad, like, not happy, but I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, like, it's decent, yeah. And then they were, she was, like, the girl, the lady was like, no, we're giving you a quarter, like, 25 cents. 25 cents. So they're obligated to, 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 they're obligated to increase your hourly rate. But they, they can not, they can do. At any amount? I think it's by a quarter. So, like, you could do 25 cents and up. So oh, they could have gave me. They so they gave me the lowest. They gave oh. me the absolute lowest. That's why. They gave me the absolute lowest they could give me. And I remember, like. I kind of had like the Kevin Hart eight ass face. Like, when she said that, <laughs> I was like, okay, like, all right. Like, and I think that was, you know, that's God telling me like, yo son, you don't need to be here. Time to make that move. And then the next day, I remember I got an email from the, from the agency. And that was basically like, you know, we've decided to move forward and hire you. Um, you start tomorrow. I remember it was a Thursday and it was like, you start tomorrow. And I kind of already drafted up like an exit letter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of like truncating the story a little bit like I remember I went on lunch went down to the break room I grabbed all the shit I had like in the store I was passing out like little trinkets that I picked up fucking sim card key poppers just mad like like extra lanyards extra t-shirts that I had like apple t-shirts and like my co-workers is like yo like where you going I'm like nigga I'm moving to New York I'm oh you put on the spot on, I went to lunch and never came back oh that's crazy and I remember I, uh, I hung up my work shirt I signed that bitch I put on the lockers oh and like words started kind of like, kind of, um, words started kind of shifting through the store. Like, yo, like, like Corey's like leaving. Uh, you sound the wall like, uh, like Martin. Yo, like, <laughs> like, yo, I'm out. Um, and my store leader, my store leader was mad cool. My man Clay. And he, I remember he had like a really bad meeting with like his, his boss, like mm -hmm. the area manager. So like when I came to tell him, like, I remember I knocked on his door. I wanted to tell him personally, um, He's like, yo, man, my good manager. And I'm like, yeah, bro, you're an amazing manager. Like, the fuck, like you're fire. Like, I'm telling him all this shit. Mm -hmm. He's like, yo, thank you, man. He's like, I needed that. He's like, you want to come in here and tell me something? What you want to tell me? I'm like, yeah, I quit. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, no, I don't quit because the some because wild shit. Good, I quit yeah. because I had this opportunity. He was mad proud. I walked up the steps. They clapped me out. They give you a clap out. Oh, so that's like, fire. Everybody <laughs> like did the thing. I did the shit. I hollered y'all. Um, I remember I went to my girl. I went home with my girlfriend at the time. I packed a bag. And I was on the first bus, like the very next bus to New York within like two hours. Okay. Like of going off of lunch at Apple to going up to New York or well, coming to New York. And um, I remember I called, excuse me, okay. I remember I called uh, my man Rory, who's on the Joe Button podcast. Rory's a good friend of mine. He's my frat brother, whatever. And whenever I would come up here, you know, I would always like link with him. And I kind of told him what happened. He was like, bro, if you want, you can stay in my crib. Oh, um, and then that essentially turned into two months <laughs> that I stayed, I stayed with Rory, uh, for in Jersey city, him and my man, Mike. And, um, they let me stay on their couch for two months and stuff like that. And I worked at the agency and, um, I mean, obviously, you know, I ended up staying in the agency. Like, you know, a lot of the clients they had was like Bud, Budweiser, Bud Light, um, Sprite, like some other shit, State Farm. And... You know, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I had never done copywriting before. So mm -hmm. I, I essentially looked at it as if I was just tweeting. Like, okay, if I wanted to tweet about, but like, how can I do that in 140 okay. characters and like. Just learning on the fly. Yeah, yeah. learning on the fly. And um, I remember, like I said, State Farm was one of their clients. And like, if I was there for two weeks, maybe the Tuesday of my second week, um, the team who was working on State Farm kind of approached me. He was like, look, do you like basketball? And I was like, I love basketball. They was like, do you know basketball? I'm like, I love basketball. So mm -hmm. I call, of course I know basketball. 
and they were like, "How would you want? How would you feel about being a copywriter for State Farm? Because State Farm, you know, figure State Farm is the NBA, or whatever." Yeah. And I was just like, "Yeah, I could do it." Like they were like, basically, one half of your job would be doing State Farm business, so that's talking about life hacks, talking about when you should clean your gutters, like mm-hmm. real boring shit. The other half is you would be you would man the social media extension for the Cliff Paul campaign. Uh, oh, you were Cliff. So Paul. I was Cl- I was Cliff Paul. Oh, I was Cliff good. Paul for about maybe like four or five months, um, and I was just like, like hell yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And they were just like, all right, cool. So that's kind of how I got my full time offer. It was just like, you know, I moved from the Budweiser team to the State Farm team, um, and then you know, I was just I never went back to Philly. I kind of just been here ever since. Okay, cool. So you know, within your time moving to Philly, was there any like? Outstanding, well, maybe not outstanding, but just fear in general because I feel like, you know, in your 20s, when you make that major move and mm-hmm. anything, you have a major transition that comes with, you know, mm-hmm. a certain amount of like level of like fear or doubt or because mm-hmm. like it's change, you know, mm-hmm. you have to adjust to change and everything new, especially going from your hometown, which is much more comfortable to like New York. Was um, there like anything like that? Or? I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I had fear. I do remember I had a conversation with my mom, my, my mother, my father, and my stepfather. Uh, after I quit, yeah. after I quit Apple, where I told them what happened because I didn't tell them about the process of me trying to come up to you know New York. I didn't tell them that about translation or me applying or anything like that. Yeah. So when I told them, you know, I remember my dad was just like, he was like, if you go up there, are you ready to come home? And I didn't quite understand what he meant by that, but he was basically like, yo, if you go up there and it doesn't work out are you prepared to come back home and start over? And I was like, yes. And he was like, you should be fine. So I think for me, I never really had fear because like, I guess it's one of those things because Philly is so close mm-hmm. that if New York did not work out for me, I always not could go home and kind of just start Regroup, over, get another yeah, job, yeah. figure something else out. You know, if, there, if, if that opportunity wasn't my time or if that wasn't, if that wasn't the time for me to be up here, I was kind of just like, fuck it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think with that, I always just had, I never really had fear per se. It was just kind of like, all right, I just got to make this shit happen. Got to make it work. Work. So like within that time, you know, you built like your own community mm-hmm. of people. Did you have like a community of people that you were with like in Philly or were you just moving around? Um, Yeah. I mean, so like I, I had, before I moved, you know, I, I had a clothing line with three of my friends. Um, and like we were, we were pretty well known in like the upcoming Philly creative scene, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And 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 we had a bit of a falling out, um, you know. I kind of wanted to do my own thing. They kind of wanted to go another direction, so we kind of split ways. We came back later on in life. Okay. Um, they're doing amazing shit now. Like my man Gianni. Um, oh, word. Is, yeah. Like so, me, my it was. I was a part of a brand called Babylon Cartel. Wow, that's um, crazy. Yo, the internet <laughs> travels. I used to see that like all the time. For real, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was like the second, the second. Like Gianni created it. I might have been like the second. Nigga. Word. I didn't. I never knew that. Um, crazy. So yeah. So I was a part of Babylon Cartel, and like, you know, like I said, we, you know, just business shit, and like, you know, like those those dudes were like my best friends. Like it was, like, we were crew. Like it was the four of us. Um, and you know we had our ways we kind of split split ways and then we came back together later in life like you know Gianni is, is doing very well right now as far as like, an, like a visual artist and mm-hmm. you know a DJ and stuff like that and my man Aaron um, you know was, is doing really well as like a stylist for like movies and TV shows and like series and stuff my man Mark um, he's out LA um, right. he's, he's budgeting in the cannabis industry so like all three of us well, all four of us have kind of like 
doing been done really well. Um, but when I separated from them, I mean, you know, I had homies, you know, it's Philly. So, like, I had homies. I had squad. Well, I'll say I had homies. I probably didn't have, like, a crew right. at a time. Um, upon moving up here, you know, from knowing, you know, people like Rory, uh, knowing guys like Austin Mills, um, Cam, like that entire Henny Palooza, now Duce Palooza crew, you know, I knew, I, we knew each other all because we're in the same fraternity. You know what I'm saying? We're all Kappas. Right. So I knew them when they were coming to Philly, you know, back in like our college days. So when, like, when it came time for me to move up here, you know, they were very uh, influential of like, kind of like welcoming me. Like I kind of had folks up here, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So introducing me to people, just hanging out, like having that social life and shit. Like, you know, I think that was very beneficial for me um, early on. And um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, and then once I kind of been up, once I was up here for a little while, maybe like, say about maybe six months, um, that's when I started meeting Philly people up here. So like, as full still as full circle as shit goes, um, after I took, after I went on that trip to Texas, Chris who was was also trying my roommate mm-hmm. at the time, the dude who put me on. Chris was also trying to come to New York, so he got a job working at Hip Hop Wire. Um, so oh, he moved okay. up here working for Hip Hop Wire, and then um, a friend of mine, my my, my, my man Sanford, uh, he moved up here. He was working on Wall Street. Um, my man B Y, my man Badia, he was working in fashion. So like the three of them, they moved up here, and I knew Chris probably the most. Like I, I know I would later grow to meet like B Y and 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 San and and Kenny. You know, like kind of later on down the line, and it was after a couple months is when I started to kind of find my Philly crew up mm-hmm. here, um, which was really, really important for me because, you know, like you're from Jersey, right? Yeah. So, like, you're not a New Yorker. Yeah. So, I can imagine for you, like, people from Jersey probably carry shit a certain way that, like, New Yorkers may not necessarily carry shit. You know Definitely. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, for me, it's, it was, it's incredible. Like, you figure New York and New Jersey is, like, kind of same but like not really the same whereas Philly and New York is like polar drastically different so like me meeting them and me kind of like establishing like my my you know my tribe as as my man Jerry once told me I never forgot that shit like me kind of establishing my tribe of niggas up here like all from the crib yeah it allowed me to realize like okay I'm with like-minded individuals but we're all doing different shit you know what I'm saying you know Chris was also doing writing like I said my man was in um, my man was doing fashion. Uh, one of my homies was in Wall Street, and then he said fuck Wall Street and decided to like he wanted to start directing films, and then went to USC Film School. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So like we were all doing different things, but we all had the same mentality, and like I think that was very important for me because I'm just like all right, if I felt a way about something or something happened and I would carry or act a certain way, I didn't have to worry about people looking at me as if I was tripping. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Whereas you know if I'm around. <laughs> You know, my niggas from Philly, niggas is like, oh yeah, like yeah, this yeah, that's you're genuine and, and, yeah. and you're 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 validated in how you feel about certain shit. Or, you know, we just we just connected on a more homey, homely vibe. If yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Because they understood like where you were coming. Understood from. where I came from. They understood. You know, like I always say, like I always say, you know, Philly people. It's a joke, but it's I will, I will say it's a serious joke. I'll probably say Philly people are probably the most thorough individuals you may meet mm-hmm. like there's corny niggas everywhere and like we all understand it but yeah, like right. as a whole like 
we just we just we just carry shit very differently. You know, if if you know, we're, we're very much we understand the importance of being like of holding it down. We understand the importance of loyalty. being like a solid character. Yeah. You know, not even more so loyalty. Man, yeah. loyalty kind of falls into that. You know right. what I'm saying? Like you can't you can't not be loyal and be considered solid. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, we understand the importance of just being solid. We understand like yeah like. You know, if you do corny shit, you know, you're called out on it. If you do corny shit consistently, that may mean you a corny nigga. So, like, you know, I think for me, having that in a new place made moving into a new place very a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's new shit. It's, I, I would deal with new people, whether it's, you know, deal with new relationships, whether it's, you know, friend relationships, girls, like, just different shit. And so kind of having that, that uh, foundation... Mm-hmm. I would say was 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 very important. Or I understand that like to an extent because I haven't obviously I haven't moved here. I still live in Jersey. Mm-hmm. But um, me and my uh, my man Kyle, my man Niles, the three of us mm-hmm. that started the group. Like we started coming here more often. I want to say around like 2016, mm-hmm. just to not even like to plan because nothing was really planned out when we started. It was just like oh let's make a podcast cool mm-hmm. and um. We're normally like the strangers in the room because we don't know anybody mm-hmm. from uh, like around here. So it's like it's cool to like just walking in a group with like a group mindset. Like even if y'all just came to have fun, mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. These these. I know niggas. I got two niggas with me that yeah. Exactly. At the end of the day, you know, I mean, not saying we think worst case scenario all the time, but like you know, it feel good to be like, all right, I know if, if shit if shit go left, yeah, yeah. I know I got somebody in here with me. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, and I think I think that mentality kind of carries through through a lot of stuff it's kind of like you know like i know that you know if if you know just not even shit go left it's just like yo i know i have somebody yeah that i don't have to question whether or not you know if, if however shit goes like they with me or not so yeah i mean i i would probably say it's the same thing for you all right um so when would you say like around the time of you moving here or even like fast forward like mm. when did, when would you say you started catching like the flow of what you're doing or realizing what you're doing? Um, I'd probably say, so my my professional career in New York, I always say my professional career started in New York. Like I don't really count like the Apple shit and mm-hmm. other retail stuff back then. Like, my, interview, like the interviews or anything like that? Well, I mean, the, the, I, I guess, well, I guess the, you can kind of count that as my professional the, career. No, you're, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so damn, I never thought of it like that. So I, maybe I need to start counting as my professional career. But I guess my professional career and working like the workforce, so gotcha. like okay. working at an agency or working at a publication, shit like that. I, I think I've seen various highs and lows when it comes to that. You know, like you know when you work in an ad agency and you know business is booming, like shit is fire. Like niggas be having full fledged bars at their desk and. <laughs> You know, like that 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 madman shit you see on TV is really real. Like, okay. you know, cats may go into a meeting if it's at like four o'clock on a Thursday, and like, oh man, we need something to generate ideas. Yo, grab that bottle of Jameson or grab that bottle of Bullet and let's mm-hmm. go. Like, we're casually drinking. Like that shit is really real. But then the bad part about advertising is if you know you lose a client, if if money is severely in flux, if. They hire a brand new creative director or some shit like that who don't know you. Like that was I got I got laid off from translation. And that was the first time. That was the first time I've ever lost a job and niggas was like, "Yo, like your work is fire, but like we're bringing in somebody that we know." Oh, okay. So like you're dope. We're just firing. You. Yo, oh. like dead ass. Like, <laughs> like it was the worst shit in the world. So I remember like the two the two creative directors that they hired. 
like niggas never even knew their names and that might have been my downfall the fact that like i didn't really have a chance to really know them dudes like that like one dude always wore a hat and the other dude always had a beard mm. so they would be hat and beard like <laughs> whatever i don't know what the fuck them niggas names are now um and like when he wear ha- he's like the pharrell hat type shit oh okay so like i remember i came into work one day and like we saw this dude in the elevator with a white box and like he was just like yeah man you know i got from fire we was like, damn, like, word. We just like, man, that's crazy. Type time he was on. Yeah. And then, it, dog, it was like, it was like fucking Thanos snapped his fingers. Like, <laughs> oh, everybody just kept bro, rolling. Bro, like, it, or it just, it would just be like, yo, like, if we started with a group of like seven people, next thing you know, you ain't see such and such no more. Then you saw somebody else from another department walking down with a yeah. white box. And, and I remember it got to the point where it was like, oh, shit, like, they would be firing niggas all day. And like every morning, we would have a morning meeting to talk about like what's going on in the world, how we can uh, implement that into whatever content we was making. Mm. And I remember I was I was on my way to the morning meeting, and I had my laptop in my hand, and it, I felt somebody tap me on my shoulder and was like, "Corey," and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Can I see you in the office for a second? It was a nigga with the hat. Uh-oh. And I remember one of my coworkers, my homegirl. She was like, oh, no. Oh, she already knew. She was, I, mean, I mean, if the niggas yeah. tapping you, you yeah. kind of knew the deal. Yeah, got you. And, um, yeah, yo, he's like, like you'd have thought this nigga knew me for years. He's like, yeah, man, you know, so, you know, just, you know, we're going through layoffs and, you know, we decided to go in a different direction with the copywriting role. And, you know, just when you know, like, your work is your work is great, but, you know, we're going in another direction. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, casual. really, if you, <laughs> so yo, casual. like, it was so casual, bro. <laughs> Like, he was like, yeah, you know, we got a severance for you. I didn't know what severance and shit was. Like, my severance was okay. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what none of that shit was. And then, like, yo, he literally finished the shit in, like, five minutes. If that. Like, he was, at the end of it, he was like, all right, well, you know, the HR manager's going to come in. And, you know, if you have any questions, okay, no, take care. I'm like, damn, damn, I didn't even. So, I literally walked out by, like, 10 o'clock. I didn't have a job. Damn. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So, this is when you first moved, right? So, so right? I, I moved here in this. I moved in September. I moved into my first New York apartment in December. I got that first like don't, that first year was really really crazy of highs and lows because I remember my grandmother passed away mm. the first week of June and I took that very very hard and then I got laid off the second. Oh, so I remember right. back to back. So I remember like I remember my grandmother passed away and I told obviously I told my job they were like yo like you know take the time you need you know i might miss like maybe like two days of work of just like grieving and stuff mm. and then i came back and then i got fired like <laughs> i got laid off like dog that is scary <laughs> yeah i got laid off like maybe a couple of days later um and i remember somebody I, I do remember a company was trying to poach me before all this happened they were kind of trying to bring me over to their like social team mm. and i was kind of entertaining i had never been poached before so like, i didn't really know how to like handle it like what to say and of course as soon as I get laid off, they start like stop answering emails and shit. So I really was on the mm. peak of like, what am I doing? But I think a big, to kind of go to your question, a, a big point of mine was uh, was actually getting hired to work at Ebony Magazine. Um, you know, at the time, not gonna lie, it didn't seem like the best fit for me, but in all actuality, it was the perfect fit for me because, right. you know, working at, you know, like, you know, it was Ebony. Like, I, as a then 26-year-old black dude, I wasn't really reading Ebony. Yeah, it was still, like, blogs at that point, to an extent, right? Or was it, like... As far as Ebony or what type of shit I was into? I, 
Yeah, what type of shit you were? I mean, into? I was definitely into the blogs. I was yeah. definitely into like or like cool, that time. Yeah, like, like that time. I was definitely in the blogs. I was definitely into like cool, you know, Gen Z companies like Complex and shit like mm-hmm. that. Like I was like Complex was like my holy grail at, at one point. So. Right. So I was definitely into that, and I was just like Ebony, and I was like, oh, I mean, shit, nigga, I need a job. It's New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so they hired me as a social media manager. But when I tell you that might have been one of the best decisions that I could have made because it was a small team. It was a team comprised of mostly women. Um, it was me and my man Aaron were the only two young dudes who worked there. And there was another older guy who was like an entertainment editor there. So it was only three dudes in like a seven, like maybe like a 12, 13 person office. But it was dope because I gained one of my first mentors. Um, her name was Kiernan Mayo. She was the, the head of digital for, for Ebony. Uh, a hip hop media OG. She used to work at like the old source, mm-hmm. like she like she was she's been doing hip hop journalism since like ground zero. Like she started like Honey Magazine back in the day. Like she oh, founded really? that and shit. Like the whole nine. And they hired me to do their social media management. And I think for a good while they didn't know that I I was also writing. So like I was kind of like, you know, I kind of approached them. I was like, yo, like I still want to write. You know, if I can't write here, like are y'all gonna be tripping if I write somewhere else? And they were just like, no. And then I think a light went off like, well, wait, if this nigga's writing shit, why can't he write for us? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Karen was just like, look, you know, if you want to write for us, you know, feel free. Just make sure your social media responsibilities don't kind of like slack off. And that really just gave me the green light. Because one thing that I didn't realize at the time is that Ebony is a legacy brand. So everybody you might be a fan of, everybody I might be a fan of, Still looked, still looked at and regarded Ebony as like, oh shit, this is a magazine my mama, yeah, like, like had on the kitchen table, like yeah. like you just know Ebony, like worst come to worst, like yeah, like oh man, this magazine wants me to do an interview, that magazine wants to do an interview, ah, I, I might not be fucking with it, but Ebony, I can get on cover of Ebony, my mom is gonna trip, like that was a lot of like artists and entertainers like mentality on shit, mm. so for me, just because of the spaces that I was in. I knew a lot, like, you know, I was I was in the rap media space. So, like, I'd be the nigga to be like, oh, yeah, such and such is, a, you know, wants to interview for Complex or such and such wants to interview for Hip Hop Wired or Hip Hop DX or, you know, the Source of Vibe or anything like that. I'm coming from Ebony. And niggas look, I will always get a second look. Like, mm-hmm. oh, damn, like, for her? Like, so, and, and she really, once she kind of saw the type of writing that I was doing, she gave me a lot more freedom. You know what I'm saying? So then I became like a staff writer. Mm. Then she was like, look, if you want to call yourself a a culture editor, you know, obviously do it. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of give yourself the yeah, title you to like to do it. whatever yeah. you want. And I had the green light. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, I think like, you know, kind of as we began to learn each other, you know, journalistically or, or, or writing wise, you know, we started putting a lot more trust in each other. You know, I started putting a lot more trust in her to... Um, you know, to edit my shit, to like give me advice and like make me a better writer. You know, she started putting trust in me to be like, yo, like, you know, like Corey knows what's popping like now. And um, I think one of my one of my proudest moments there was I remember I was in the office one day, and they uh, I overheard her in a meeting with people in Chicago in a phone meeting, talking about the Black Music Month cover. Uh, I want to say this was in 2015, mm-hmm. and they're naming all these people and stuff like that. And, like, none of this shit is, like, sticking. And I'm just like, yo, they're so out of touch with shit. Like, not even more so Karen, but just, like, the people in Chicago was just out of it. And I was just like, 
I'm about to wow out and I probably shouldn't do this, but fuck it, I'm gonna do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I knocked on the door and I was like, yo, like I'm hearing y'all talk about this uh, Black Music Month thing, can I make a suggestion? And they was like, what? Well, Shakira was like, what? The people in Chicago was like, who the fuck is that talking? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yo, you should get Kendrick. And they were like, Kendrick? And the people in Chicago was like, who's like Kendrick Lamar? And I'm like, you should get Kendrick Lamar on the cover. Oh, was this like right after the album had dropped? Or like uh, it was right before To Pimp and Butterfly. Oh, okay. Um, I th or it might have been like, at the same, I, I think it, I think To Pimp and Butterfly might have came out right before the album came out, or right before the issue came out. Oh, okay. And, um, I remember I was like, yo, you should get Kendrick. And I was like, Kendrick is Kendrick is probably the one artist right now that appeals to people my age, people younger than me, and his music will probably appeal to people older than me. Mm -hmm. Because of you know, all the soulful influences and right. you know, everything especially he has into him. Yeah. Yeah, especially at that time. And I remember we had an idea for a cover of having Kendrick, D'Angelo, and George Clinton all on the same cover. Um, but the, the other two fell off. Oh, okay. And like, you know, after the call, you know, I remember, you know, Karen was just like, that was a really good idea. And I was just like, yeah, man, like I could not say nothing. And then sure enough, she came back maybe like a week later and was just like, yo, we landed Kendrick. Like we landed the cover. And he said everything that I thought, like, like it was like Ebony Magazine, my mom's gonna trip. Hell yeah, I wanna do Ebony Magazine's cover. And she rewarded me by giving me my first ever in-book piece. Um, where I wrote about the top 10 or 12 genre bending artists of that time. And as I look back on that list now, um, mind this is what, like 2015? It wasn't even 2016 yet. As I look back on that list now, I had a lot of hits. I had one big miss I'm still kind of mad at. So my hits were, I had uh, Tori Moy on there. I had Kate Trinata. Mm -hmm. I had... I picked Vic Mensa over Chance the Rapper, and I'm still mad about yeah. it. That's my I mean, at, at that the time, time, at, at that time, because you had internet yeah, tape. Like, was that like down on my luck? Was that? Oh that my time? god, yeah. bro! <laughs> and like, if anybody knows me, I'm the biggest down on my luck fan in the fucking world. Yeah. Like, I thought he was about to come. It with looked some like shit. It. it looked like it. At that um, time. Yeah. I picked him. I picked these two producers, Nez and Rio, which are like really, really yeah. big. Like they've done mad shit, like Schoolboy and ASAP and them. Um, I think I picked I picked uh, Wonderland, so like including oh, okay. Jadena yeah. and uh, Saint Elsewhere and them. Um, like I just picked folks, um, and like I said, I didn't really didn't have that many misses. When I look back, I was like, damn, I was kind of like ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. But it was something. It was a very very special moment for me. Like my mom got the magazine. She cried, and she was like, my baby's in print. And I, but it was just like you know, for me as a as a you know, I'm 32, so I remember what it was like to have magazines on my table and shit like. And writing is something for me that, you know, it was always good to see my name on like a byline on a computer, but to actually hold a magazine in my hands and, and like see it, like, see it, like yo, this is me. Like I, I wrote this, I did that, like it was priceless. But I mean, the Ebony job was definitely the first gig or the first like kind of thing in my mind that I was just like, all right, I'm on the right path to, to doing this shit. Okay. So, um... So uh, fast forward, um, I know, well, when did you, I got to ask this question, when did you, I think it was Niles, is his name? Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. did you guys uh, come up with the <laughs> Neptune discography so... project? And it's a two-part question, yeah. it was probably going to be a longer answer. Yeah. 
Cause um, cause how did that lead to like for real discovering it, and then you guys going to that like so, premiere? How did I? When did I meet Niles? I'll probably say I met Niles in maybe twenty twelve online. Um, maybe mid mid to late twenty twelve. I probably it was definitely twenty twelve. I met Niles in mid to late twenty twelve. Um, I don't know how we started following each other. I couldn't even look back at it at this point because he's changed his name on Twitter so fucking much, and like I don't even remember. <laughs> What his old shit was. Um, but we... Somehow we connected. Like, somehow we connected, like, on, on Twitter and shit. And, like, you know, just, just talking shit about music. And um, I do I do think I have screenshots of our first, like, DM conversation. Where we was just like, yo, like, you know... He was like, yo, I see you have, like... He's like, I know I see you're a really big music fan. I was like, yeah, same. And we were just like, I, I told him I've always wanted to do a music project. Mm. And he was like, well, well, like, what would you want to do it on? And I was like, y'all, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm an insanely huge Neptunes fan. And he was like, oh, word. He was like, he's like yeah, so am I. He was like, um, he was like, yeah, I have a, like, a pretty big like Neptunes library. So me, I'm like, man, I come from the Kazai days. Yeah. I come from LimeWire and all that shit. So like, I remember just finding mad obscure Shit, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm very confident in my Neptune's collection. I'm like, oh yeah, man, you know, I got a couple. Of yeah, yeah, for sure. I got, a, I, got, I got a good amount of songs. And this nigga sent me, this nigga sent me a screenshot of his computer that had a good maybe like two thousand, three thousand songs on it. And oh. I was like, okay, I know I have all the albums. I have all the like, I have Lucy's. I damn sure don't have that. Yeah, cause like, oh, I'm sorry, not to get no, no, but like when I downloaded it, when you guys did the the re-release mm-hmm. thing. I'm like, nigga, there's a McDonald's theme song right here. <laughs> yeah, like, man, dog. Like, like commercials. He, he like, had commercials. He had times where, um, he had times where Pharrell MD or like musical, mu- musically directed like award shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had the work that Pusha and Mallet, well, I think it was just Pusha, Pusha and Justin Timberlake did for the I Love It theme song. Like, niggas don't even really be knowing that, like, that whole ba da ba 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 Justin Timberlake yeah, nigga, yeah. like, and Pharrell and him wrote that. Like, like he just had mad shit that I just had never seen before. And, you know, we started, like, talking it out. We started, like, kind of saying, like, what, like, if we, what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. And, you know, we came up with the idea of, like, yeah, we should do it in, like, volumes. We should do it bi-weekly. Um, we should do it in volumes. We do it bi-weekly. It was, like, maybe 10 to 12 volumes. 100 songs it was 12 volumes 100 songs each joint mm. um and we was just like we just drop a new one every two weeks and you know we decided to call the other side of the planet and we were just like let's do it and for real for real it, it really happened from like that shit initially spread from word of mouth oh, okay anybody that followed me like i probably had a, a good size amount of following at that point um you know, Niles had now. I'll say that Niles definitely have had, may have had a smaller following, but he had a more a more core group of like diehard music heads following him. So like it kind of like mm-hmm. even out. out. Um, you know, my job was basically you know working, doing the interviews and shit for myself years earlier. It really taught me like the hustle game as far as like getting my shit in front of people. So mm-hmm. like I was the fucking king of if I was on somebody's email. And it wasn't BCC'd. I would scroll through every email in that list 
and see what publications I could grab, what person's email I could grab. Oh, okay. Well, all right. that shit. So, so when like, someone else was slipping, it was just like, oh, okay, bro, I'm out to, yeah. Like, and the wildest thing is that the, some of the people whose emails I got, like, I'm friends with now. So, like, my man Mecca, who runs Two Dope Boys, who's one half of Two Dope mm-hmm. Boys, I got Mecca's personal email that way before I even knew this nigga. My homegirl, Ashley, Ashley Outrageous, I got her email from that way before mm-hmm. I even knew her. Like, I was the king of that. So, when it came time to, like, put shit out, I was trying to get love on the blogs, I would hit them up. You know what I'm saying? Yo, with me and my partners doing this, you know, anthology of the entire Neptune's discography. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, some of it got picked up, some of it didn't, like, but for real, for real it was very word of mouth. Um, and it wasn't until, like, a little bit later that I had the, I had the idea of uh, reaching out to, like, Tumblr fan pages of the Neptune. So, like, Remember back on Tumblr, it was like, what was it? Like, like fuck, that's Pharrell. Oh, yeah. Like, that like whole those like, fan thing, pages, yeah, like yeah. those fan pages and shit. Like, so I reached out to a lot of those fan pages. Like, look, you know, I don't know if y'all take submissions, but I have, I'm putting out the, to me and my partner's putting out the entire Neptune discography. Mm. Some of them bit, others didn't, but the ones that bit, they would share it out. And the, like the shares when that shit was booming. Um, so when it got to the point, when we first did it, it was kind of like, all right, cool. Um, you know, like, you know, got word of mouth and whatever. And I'll never forget this shit. I was, in my, I was sitting in my living room um, with my girlfriend at the time. And we was just chilling. We were sitting on the couch. And I remember I got a notification on my phone. This is me still living in Philly. And it said that Pharrell had followed me. And I remember I looked at it. And I, I like squinted my eye, like, <laughs> like on some like the fuck, like yeah, you probably thought it was like a. Then I was, page. I thought I'm thinking of some bot or some shit. Cause you know, if you start, this is back in like the early days. So if you tweeted about enough shit, I could tweet about Eagles football for mad long, and you just get random, right? Yeah, you know, Eagles like bots or like fan pages or whatever. So I look at it and I'm like, shit had a couple million followers. I'm just like, okay. And I put my I put my phone down, and. I got my computer, one of my computer looked at it. Said for us, I'm like, I remember I was like, babe, my, my girl at the time was like, what? And I was like, I think Pharrell just followed me on Twitter. She goes, complete girlfriend. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, let me see your computer. I looked at it from her account. Right. And it said, people, you follow in common, it said he followed me. So I'm fucking like, the fuck? Like, what? Like, I just couldn't. I couldn't fathom it. Like I'm like, nah, this like ain't this ain't real. And then I remember I looked and I saw I had a DM and he DM'd me and he was just like, yo, like big time fan of your project. He said some real like for real shit, like big time fan of your project, blessings, prayer hand emoji. Like he was like some shit like that. And I just remember I I freaked out because I was just like, like, what the fuck? Like I just kept I just couldn't believe that. You know, because I wasn't even in the business of like adding him every time I shared it or like things like that. Yeah. Like we did, we did, probably did it a little bit, but not like over the top. Yeah, so at that point, you're probably just wondering like, how did it? How even, the fuck how did it, this yeah, shit even get in his yeah. hands? Um. So you know, I remember like I remember at that point, I'm like, what the fuck do I say back? Like, and you know, like you know, this is why you gotta have a, a good woman around you because like she's just like, look, just say thank you mm. and like just say like some shit. Like I said some shit like. You know, like, you know, thank you for everything you've done, you know, musically, you know, like for my life or whatever, you know, hopefully one day we cross paths, like some shit like that. So, um, 
years passed at this point. Uh, you know, Niles, you know, and I, I love Niles because creatively, he, he's like, a, he's one of those like creatives that like consistently is like, you know, and he hasn't done it in a while, which I think, which is I'm, I'm happy about because I think he's in a very good place creatively mm-hmm. where he would just be like, yo, fuck it, I'm scratching everything and I'm starting over. Like I'm starting over some new shit. Like so I'm starting is over. Is that like, how it got deleted? So it, so yes, oh, actually, okay. yeah. Like, you know, I remember one day he hit me. He was like, "Yo, you have the discography, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Good," because I'm about to delete it. And I'm like, "Why?" And he was just like, "Yo, like I'm just I'm starting over." Right. And I was just like, "Okay." Man. I was like, "Okay." I like, remember finding out about it and then just googling it by volume mm-hmm. and clicking each link. It was a dead <laughs> end. Was song, a dead? Right? Yeah. Oh man. So and that's and I didn't and I think that is why. I think that's why it got as popular as it did. Because mm-hmm. when it started getting to people, when it started getting to the point where people like started to know about it and like were actually out and like searching for it, because mm-hmm. then, then you had people hit me up, yo, can you please send me a copy of this? Can you please send me that? Like I remember I met, um, like I would meet people. Like I remember I met like a couple, like I guess celebrities or whatever. And somehow somebody had come out that I did it. And like, I remember niggas that asked me like, yo, can you send me that? And I'll have to send like my personal files in like a zip box or like or a zip file or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, then it got to the point where he was just like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm dead in it. And I was just like, all right, like, okay. <laughs> Cause at this point, you know, I looked at it like, yo, he's, you know, he's hosting it. He's hosting this, the server. And I'm like, you know, I wouldn't want to do this without him. So like, if this ain't something you want to do no more, we did it, it's done, it's done. And then maybe two years ago, I want to say maybe around like two years ago, he hit me and was just like, yo, I've been thinking about the project. And I was like, word. And he's just like, I want to bring it back. And I'm like, okay. He's like, but I want to bring, like, he's a, he, I don't know how the fuck he does this shit. Like, admittedly so, I really haven't contributed that much to finding the records and organizing the records as much as they are. He, I don't know how he does this shit, where he, He's like, yo, I'm gonna update it. Like all the songs that have come out from when we deleted the shit till now. And I was just like, damn, nigga, like, where? <laughs> oh, he added like, new songs to. He to, just added oh, all God. new shit. So I was like, well, how many songs is that? He's like, ah, it's probably gonna be like an extra like five volumes. And I'm just like, fuck, like. And it was a hundred a volume. It was a hundred a joint, hundred a watt. That's crazy. And I'm just like, well, well I think the the extras, they may have been a hundred. Now I think about it, yeah, it may have been like a hundred joints. I'm like, damn, dog, this shit's crazy. So I was like, well, how do you want to do it? And he was just like, I mean, you know, we can just pop out and just be like, yo, I guess back type shit. Mm-hmm. Now, what I didn't realize is that in the time from when we deleted it to the time where, where we brought it back, you know, he had gained a lot more of a following. I had gained a lot more of a following as far as like the different shit that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, like, how did I end up with mad, like thousands of followers on Twitter? To this day, I don't know. Like, I just kind of looked up and like, I was just getting these shit seem like droves. And like, I'm a person that like, again, going back to the filliness, the thoroughness and the making sure you solid. I'm like, yo, if this is a, these are bots, like, let me find out so I can like find a way to delete these shits and most of them like real accounts. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, whatever. But we had both accrued bigger followings than we when we did it. So when we decided to put it back out, it reached a lot more people. And it reached a lot of people. I think you might even be one of them that was just kind of like, this shit is bad. Like, I think yeah, you might hit me. He was like, yo, thank you, bro. I've been looking for this shit. Like, yeah, I definitely did tweet that out. I'm like, I don't even know if my guy just got a Mac. It was gifted to mm. me. So I'm like, yo, I don't even know if I got the gigs. <laughs> <laughs> and that was something a lot of people, I think that, 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 was, that was definitely something we heard from a lot of folks. Like when they, 
when they asked about it um, and we gave it to them, they was like, God damn, this shit's like 20 some gigs of music. And we're like, yeah, we ain't playing. This ain't no, we're not going to call this shit a discography and it's not a discography. So, you know, people just start downloading that shit crazy. Like, damn near crashed his site like two, three times. Like he had to keep buying like back-end storage to like uphold the bandwidth he was getting. Word. It it's allowed crazy. us to kind of see where the, the downloads were coming from, mostly from the States. But I remember we were really heavy in like Japan. We were really heavy in like the UK. No, that's like, cool. you know, mind you, I'm still doing the same things that I was doing as far as promoting it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm still reaching out to the, to the Tumblr pages. And like, I remember I, I, I had got in with one of them that was like incredibly a big joint and like, like had mad followers. So every time they put it up, you just saw a spike in downloads and shit. And um, I remember I, I, I was, at the time I was working for this entertainment company called Interactive One. Um, and I was working, I was the entertainment editor for this platform called Cassius. And they knew that I wanted to do on-camera work. So like they, they asked me to pitch a show and I pitched a travel food show. And we were on, we were on site in Philly. I was recording an episode back home. And <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember I'm in the car, we're driving to the next location, and my phone just starts going crazy. And I see that I'm being added in response to a tweet from Scott Venner, who does, or who did, well, I think he still does, um, Other Tone mm-hmm. podcast with Pharrell. And Scott didn't at me, but he said some shit like, like I guess someone had sent him the project. And he was, he said something like, wow, I don't think this is illegal at all. And then he, in the next tweet, he was like, I hope Corey Towns has himself a lawyer. Uh, I think I might have seen that. And I remember I saw it now, the feeling in me came out very quickly. (laughs) Where I was like, the fuck that mean? Like, fuck you talking about? But then I'm like, nigga, calm down. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, no, what what the fuck does that mean? Like, Like, I'm about to get sued. Like, dog, like I'm on, I'm on set calling every lawyer homie that I had like what does this mean mm-hmm. and like they start running down the shit like well you know you're technically you're not like I remember my one homegirl Eve she broke it down by like state like technically you released this in New York City or in New York State so you're not you're not in violation of X rule Y you know statute whatever because you're not putting it out for sale you're not benefiting profit but basically if Niggas worked with some engineer or some like some engineer on some rinky dink song that the Neptunes have produced in their career. Mm-hmm. And if he catches one of this project and he's like, they're benefiting from this project by appearances or articles or whatever, mm-hmm. I want parts. Oh, okay. And I remember at the time when we put it back out, okay, player had covered it. And then within an hour, Hypebeast had covered it. So I remember I was on Hypebeast for like a good, I mean, the articles might still be there, but I remember like I was mentioning on Hypebeast and that blew my fucking mind. Like nobody, if niggas, if somebody would have told me Corey Towns was going to be on Hypebeast, nigga, yeah. like I'm on Hypebeast. Like that was like a big thing for me. And she was like, yeah, like, you know, if you get like press clippings and shit from this, they could be like, I want parts. So we were just like, fuck, yo. Like I asked him, like, what do you want to do? And he's like, yo, we got to get down. Like, I'm not trying to get sued from this shit or whatever. Um, and we announced we took it down. And I remember later that day, 
Pharrell DM me again. Yo, this nigga had been would be like pop in and pop out. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause for the longest time, I'm like, ah, maybe somebody running his account, but like, I'm like, nah, nigga, it's really him. So he hit me and was like, just saw, you know, everything that happened today, you know, just so you know, again, you know, I just want to tell you, I, I sincerely appreciate the effort that you and your partner did on this project. You know, again, much love, prayer hand emoji. <laughs> and um, I hit him directly. I'm like, bro, I just want to tell you, like, we didn't do this for no profit. We didn't do this for no recognition. We did this because, you know, we are true fans of you and Chad's music. And we wanted to do something to to share our love for y'all music. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't nothing. Like, we ain't trying to come up off y'all or nothing like that. Like, you know, and I understood. Like, I didn't understand where, you know, Scott was coming from with that. But, like, just to make it a thing, we just, we just took it down. Mm. And he was just like, you know, don't worry about that. He's like, it's cool. You know, and I think I, I think the last thing I sent him was like, you know, at some point, you know, uh, you know, if you're ever in New York, you know, I would love to, like, you know, just meet with you one day, just have a conversation, whatever. He's like, yeah, you know, um, I'll be sure to hit you, you know, around when we're doing a new album. So I remember I knew about the, I knew about the new album Early. months before it came out. And I was just like, mind you, as he's telling me, like, fuck, nigga, we get a new nerd album. That's yeah, fucking yeah. fire. Like. Whatever, so Matt, time passed, months passed, and um, I guess like how it led to me, like with meeting him or whatever, you know, the Complex Con was coming about, like they were starting doing a promo for that, and they had just announced that Pharrell and NERD was going to be doing something at Complex Con. It was like a listener session, right? Yeah, well, yeah. So it was a glorified, it was a, it was a glorified yeah. listening session. I remember um, seeing like the like the photos and videos from the event. I'm like, nigga, this is a concert. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, it's it <laughs> a <Pika> concert. <laughs> um, but you know, so like they were saying they were they saying any idea was gonna be heavily involved with the weekend or whatever. And I remember one. I remember I looked on Instagram, and I had a DM. Something made me check like the other tab for like DMs and shit. And I had a DM was like, "How you doing?" Um, it was from this woman. It was like, "How you doing?" Uh, wanted to speak to you um, regarding Pharrell Williams. Um, what's the contact number for you? And um, I was like, I was like, fuck does this mean? So I like was like, hey, here's my number. You know, call me. And she hit me back immediately. It was like, all right, can you talk in the next 15 minutes? And I was like, yeah, sure. So she's like, how you doing? My name is such and such. She was like, I'm I'm Pharrell's assistant. Um, she was like, I'm Pharrell's assistant. You know, like he he's basically. You know, I'm calling you because he's told me that he wants to meet you and he wants to meet your partner, Niles, um, at ComplexCon this year. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay. And she was just like, yeah, so I mean, I don't know if you had any plans on coming, but like if, if you didn't, you know, and if you're free, you know, we would, we would love to fly you out. We'll put you up, you know, room mm-hmm. and board and everything. Um and you know, you know, he wants he wants to invite you to Compass Con. That's crazy. And I was just like, again, this is like the, the moment when niggas following me. I'm like, okay. Like I really don't remember much of this conversation. She was like, okay, so I'm gonna email you. And I think she could tell. Like she was just like, okay, so I'm gonna email you. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 to you know, um, you know, send me your, you know, your full name, your your birthday, and you know, I'll get to you with, you know, travel accommodations. And I'm like, okay. She's like, okay, bye. Hangs up the phone. And I remember the first time I called my mom. And I was just like, Mom, I think Pharrell's uh, assistant just called me. <laughs> and uh, I think 
she said he wants me to. My, I don't know why I said I think this shit. Yeah, like yeah, the nigga yeah. clearly said it. I was like, I think he said he wants to. It's like, a lot to process though. Yeah, it was. It was no invite. Like, it was a lot to fucking process, and I was just like, she, so she starts like, that's amazing, and that, like, you know, my mom's really hip on the shit I be doing, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know, I'm not gonna get too excited. I was like, cause like I'm not gonna get too excited, and then within 24 hours, I had a flight and hotel combinations, and I was just like, okay. Like it's real. I was like, that's this is fucking crazy. And um I remember I took I took some personal days off at work and went out to LA, went to Long Beach. And even the time I was out there, like, <clears throat> you know, um the beginning of when I was out there was just like I was out there for Compost Con. It really didn't have like any like Pharrell or any RD like kind of like feel to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, just going out, it was mad homies out there, so I was just kicking it with the homies and shit. Um, I remember one cool moment was I met Nigo and I met uh, I met Nigo and Famway for the first time. So like, Fam Fam had followed me kind of like like because I'm like a diehard Family fan. Mm-hmm. So like Fam had kind of followed me on like on like Twitter, and Instagram and shit, and um, you know just like followed me or whatever. And I remember I saw him walking into the venue with Nigo, and I was just like, "Fuck, so that's fucking." Mind you, I'm I geeked out more about Family than fucking Nigo. Yeah, yeah, and I was like. That's family nigga and I was like oh, that's Nigo that's fucking family so I walk up I'm like what's up man you know how you doing he was like oh what's up and I'm thinking he's giving me like the fan shit yeah. I was like yo Corey man I'm a big he's like yo I know who you are like he's like yo man he's like yo you be talking about my shit all the time bro like thank you man like yada, yada, yada. he's like yo this, this is Nigo Nigo this is Corey you know Nigo I don't know how much English this nigga speaks but he's just like bows and shit I'm like what's up man how you doing and he's like yeah he's like so we'll see you later and I'm like yeah. Sure, you'll see me <laughs> later. And like I'm by myself, so I'm like, what the fuck? Did I just fucking meet Nico and and fucking family? So we go to the listening session or whatever. Um, I see Niles in there, so like it, that might have been one of the first. That wasn't the first time we met. We had met um, at South by like in person, but it was definitely one of the first times that like we had a chance to like hang out in like person. Oh, okay. You so met? Was, you guys met at the. Yeah, we met at like the at like the listening shit. So like, yeah, it was it was in this big ass like auto, like convention center like auditorium. Mm. Um, they played a new album. You know what I'm saying? Like, admittedly, so it was kind of hard to actually hear the album because it's, it's speakers and they had the dancers and yeah, it's you know, a lot going on. Yeah, it was a lot going on. Like, obviously, we had heard Lemon at that point in time, but you know everything else. Um, and then the next day, you know, went out into the the shit again, and um. I knew he was recording. Like I wanted to make sure I caught him doing a live recording of other tone there, and it was him. It was it was P. It was Chad. It was Shay. It was Scott. It was uh, family. It was. Oh, was that the joint with like Rob Parker? Was yeah, there? like Rob oh, Parker, okay. Push. Like they were all like on stage. Like really talking like OG like Virginia shit. Yeah. OG the beginning of the clips. I mean OG beginning of like the Neptunes or whatever. So I'm listening and I'm there. I'm in the crowd. And his assistant texted me again. It was like, yeah, you know, Pharrell wants to meet you, like, after. So I'm like, okay. Like, I'm like, oh, fuck, this shit's really about to fucking happen. Yeah. And I lie to you not, man. Like, I am, I'm listening to him. This guy asked him a question about the new album. And he was like, we made this, we made this album for Corey Towns. And I remember I went deaf. <laughs> I simultaneously went deaf. And I I said loud, 
Like, what the fuck? Like, mind <laughs> you, bro, like, we're in a crowd of people. Oh, while it was going on. While it's recording. So, like, yeah. if you ever, like, I didn't, I mean, obviously they recorded it, like, audio-wise and video-wise. But if you if you watch it, mm-hmm. you can hear, like, commotion immediately after he says this. That is me saying out loud, like, what the fuck? Oh, okay, okay. Like, and he's like, we made it for Corey Towns. He said he made it for uh, this girl, Amy, who's, like, another, like, big, you know, Pharrell fan. I met her there. She's, like, big. Oh, I think I've seen her, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we made it for Corey Towns, we made it for Amy V, we made it for everybody who's been sticking with us for X amount of time throughout the years and yada, yada, yada. And like, I remember, I remember everyone who was sitting around me who knew who I was kind of just like turned and looked at me and I was just like, like, I just like, the fuck? Like, what? And like, I remember like this girl I was sitting next to, she was like, yo, that's so crazy. And I was just like, I was like in complete silence. Like, I just couldn't process the shit. And then um, they wrapped up the recording, and uh, I met his assistant. She was like, "You like come here." So like, you know, I walked out, and like she's directing me to the front. And I walk, like she's like, "Come on stage." I walk up on stage, and you know, what I'm saying Pharrell and all them, are, all them are there, and it was it's funny because, you know, they you know they're saying they're like, "Yo, you always know what you're gonna say when you meet somebody until you meet them." Right. I had no idea what the fuck I was about to say, and. It's funny because like Pharrell, he the nigga did some Pharrell shit. Like the nigga <laughs> sees me, he just starts fucking, fucking bowing and shit. And I'm just like, I didn't know whether to bow back. I'm like, the fuck? So I just like I went out, he was like, What's up, man? I'm P. And I was like, I'm Corey. I was just like, I think I said something to the likes of like, I just want to say thank you for everything you did for me in my life. Like just to, like some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah, that's every, a full circle. Like, I can't imagine like, you know. Growing up at that time, bro. you hear stuff like Laura Willen, you hear bro, like the Star like, Trek compilation, and it hit home for me because going back to when I was like, like my, like as a teenager, like seven, like 16, 17, it was when I really started finding like the Neptune's music. Like mm-hmm. I remember, I remember I, I, I heard, I first got introduced to the Neptune's music because my stepdad used to manage Philly's Most Wanted. Mm. And we had all of their debut albums. We had their debut album, like boxes of that shit, in my house. <coughs> and like, you know, Philly was one is from my, my section of Philly, from my hood, from the, not from my hood, but from my neighborhood oh, okay. uh, in Southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always had like a vested interest, like, yeah, niggas from, the niggas from my, you know, Southwest. Like, but then I would listen to them and I was like, yo, these niggas be rapping. But I remember the beats. Like the beats of what some of the best beats is on that album, and I was just like, bro, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, who the fuck is yeah. making these beats? I think my favorite beat is uh, Street Tax, and niggas don't yeah. niggas don't know about yeah. shit like that. So like, I remember just like, yo, like, like what the fuck is this? Like, these beats is crazy. And then you know they had they I forgot what song it was off the top of my head right now. They had a joint with the clips on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was Street Tax. It was Street Max, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was Street Tax. So I remember, like, I'm thinking, like, oh, man, it's these two sets of twins fucking <laughs> rapping. I'm like, this shit is fire. Like, I, but these niggas can rap. And then it, that's what introduced me to, um, you know, that's what introduced me to them. So I, then I remember I looked up. I heard it would come out with a debut album in search of. And I remember I downloaded, I managed to find the, um, the UK version. The one oh, that so is that like the electronic version? That's the electronic version. Oh, okay. So I, I had so I didn't realize there was a difference until like way later, mm. and I didn't realize how rare it was to have the electronic version versus the um, versus like the like live the rock version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember I had that, 
and I played that shit religiously. And if not for nothing else, like I remember that was a point in my life where like, you know, I was still very much, you know, not necessarily in the streets, but I was I was a kid in Philly. So yeah. like just being outside, you 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 outside, you mm-hmm. you see different shit, you experience different shit, you know, it's all stuff that like has made me essentially who I am. I would never, you know, I'll never regret going through any of that shit or whatever. Right. But like I also know it's interesting different shit. Like I did like watching MTV. Like like there were some rock songs that I like fucking with. And you know, niggas wasn't that progressive back then, so like niggas be like, You fucking rock. Like the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. We listen to DMX and like shit like that. So I remember NERD's music was the first like gateway into being like, yo, you can be a black kid into this shit. You know what I'm saying? Even just the visuals, like, you know, I wasn't no skateboarder nigga, but I was like, oh, that's fire. Like, you got niggas skateboarding. You got niggas riding BMX bikes. Like, I was into the X Games and shit, even mm-hmm. just as a fan, just watching shit. So I was like, yo, like, this really just shows you that, like, you can be a yeah, black kid it's and be, to and, do yeah, both. And, be, and you can do both. Yeah, because he was doing that, and then he would whisper like some of the craziest so stuff. So wild shit on fucking <laughs> mysticals record. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and then you know, just kind of looking up, you know, their history. You know, working with Teddy Riley. You know, what I'm saying like knowing the niggas did um, Rex and Effect. Like you know, all the shit that Chad was doing. You know, what I'm mm-hmm. saying like I just remember just being like, damn dog, like like these niggas is multi. Like multifaceted. Yeah, like multifaceted. These niggas was just fluid. They could just kind of float in and out of culture like that. And I thought that that shit was ill. So, obviously just becoming, as a, the more I became a fan of their music and like becoming such an intense fan of their music, you know, to, to meet him and like, I think that was like the best thing I could have said. I was like, yo, just like, thank you for everything. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? My dad is my biggest inspiration in life, but like, as far as music, Especially, well, my dad's my biggest inspiration personally and in music, but like, if there's a 1B, it's Pharrell Williams for real. Mm. And he was just like, no, man, he was like, yo, he's like, stop, man, stop. He was like, yo, like, he was like, you know, thank you. He's like, thank you for, you know, kind of like putting new generations of people on our music. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for, you know, kind of like just reminding us like how we get back to this old shit, like the old shit we doing. And he was like, just thank you. And, you know, we dab, we embracing shit. And I'm just like, nigga, I'm fucking dabbing up Pharrell. Like, yeah. this is in front of a crowd of people. So niggas is, like, taking pictures and shit. And I remember he introduced me to Chad and Shay. And, and Nas is on stage, too. Like, Nas meets him. And, like, he, like, he's like, yo, he's like, yo, this is Chad. Chad is Chad. And I met Chad at South By. Yeah, I was going to say, like, before. how is Chad? Because you don't really seem like, he's, spe- like he speaks like that. He's very, I mean, he's he's Chad. Like, mm-hmm. he's very, like, no mad quirky yeah <laughs> like this is mad quirky like i remember i was like i was like what's up man i was like how you doing man i'm Corey. he's like hi like some shit like that <laughs> yeah like and shay just a nigga shay was like yo what's good like oh, you know okay. what i'm saying like yeah. you know, i was like what's up and then like i remember pharrell had like put his like hand on my shoulder and he was like yo this the nigga that made this nigga that made that project i sent y'all and niggas is like word and he's like yo nigga nigga had shit on there i haven't heard in 15 years he was like these two so like i'm with Niles. he's like yo they made that shit it's like I, they had songs over there i hadn't heard in 15 years like shit i will keep forgot we did crazy and like shay is just like bro he's like i need that he was like how many songs is it and i was like like 25 maybe three thousand. he's like three thousand songs i'm like yeah he's like you're bullshit i'm like no <laughs> you know what i'm saying Niles is like no i'm like now starts getting into like just the different shit that's on there so he's like yeah you know we had this we had that and niggas looking at us like the fuck like like that's crazy and then you know we we took pictures 
Um, he took pictures and stuff, and he was just like, "Yo, man," he was like, "I'm, I'm glad you made it out. I'm glad. I'm happy that you know we, you know, happy that we met in person." He was like, "I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing each other again in the future." And I was like, "You know, bet." And um, you know, that was it. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's 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 weird because it's not even weird. You know, I mean, if if not for nothing else, it does just go to show like full circle what full circle moments can, how they can be and how they can materialize. Right. Um, you know, if somebody would have told me partnering with this dude from the IE in California that I've never met before and a music project would have led me to meet some of my biggest music inspirations, I wouldn't believe that shit. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, so um, you know, fast forward into like more so like the present, and I know like you're you're DJ, and um, I think you said did you DJ at the something in the water, mm. that festival, so and even like going from there into yeah. like um, I know this summer you had the was it the Kinfolk uh, mm-hmm, residency mm-hmm. you had like a family reunion, mm-hmm. so um, you know just going into detail about like your transitioning into mm-hmm. uh, DJing and um, how you were like able to perfect like more so perfect your craft in that, and then you know going out in the open and like uh, throwing events because it's like one thing to like learn a skill yeah. in private and then another thing to <laughs> yeah, like you know yeah, what yeah. I mean another thing to like. Uh, someone to invite you to uh, to like DJ, yeah, and then making your own yeah, events, yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, so the DJ thing. I mean, obviously, you know, with my pops being who he is, um, you know, that is it's, that's been in my life my entire. It's been in my life my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never felt pressure from my dad to learn how to DJ. Uh, how I always say it is, growing up, I was that kid that like would see how cool shit was. And I'm like, I want to try that. Mm. And then like some like hard shit, or not even hard shit, but like the effort would kick in and I'd be like, oh no, okay. fuck that, I'm not doing it. So you would like watch a movie or something? Bro, <laughs> I watched I watched Sidekicks with Chuck Norris in it. And I thought that was the most fierce karate movie in the fucking world. And I was like, I want to do karate. And my dad, being my dad, he's always been the type of person. He's like, you want to do something? All right, cool. Nigga, nigga got me a teacher. Nigga got me in lessons. Took me to this spot down in Philly. It used to be called Asian World that like had all the karate shit in it. I had fire fucking gi. <laughs> like I had all the fire shit. And I'm like, nigga, I'm about to go out here and I'm about to kick ass. Man, within five lessons. You you know, you watch wrestling. Yeah, yeah. You you watch ECW. Yeah. You remember you remember the Sandman? Yeah, yeah, it works. Sandman had them fucking like the Kempo yeah, sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I never forget this shit, bro. I never forget this shit. I had to do a drill where I had to avoid the sticks. I might have been like eight, nine years old, dog. Nigga, I I nailed the first two. Right. It was like it was like up. It was like you had to duck it, you had to jump over it, and you had to like go from side to side. I might have went left, and that nigga went left, and that nigga hit me square oh, came down. Oh, on like my shoulder. I say, yo, fuck karate. I'm not <laughs> doing this shit no more. <laughs> and like, you know, like my my dad always kind of like made fun of me about that shit. Like, like all this, like, kind of like how you want to do karate, right? Yeah. Like shit like that. So I always knew that if I wanted to learn how to, if I wanted to DJ, I didn't want to start it until. I was like 100% sure I wanted to do it mm. because I realized how important it was to him. You know, past his livelihood, that might be his like first love. That might be his like one of his deepest loves is mm. DJing and like everything that is done for him. So like, I never wanted to, 
I never wanted to scoff at something that he held so dear. Right. Um, which is, I think, a big reason why I never tried to do DJing before. Because yeah. I was just like, mm. like I, 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 I've, I've felt pressure before, but not like... It wasn't like overwhelming, like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be Jazzy Jeff Jr. Or, like, or some shit uh, like okay. that. I was going to ask, like, did, like, maybe, like, that type of pressure or, like, perception come with that? Because, like, even to, like, make a comparison, like, NBA players or whatever. Like, and they pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, um, LeBron's I mean, name son is Bronny. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so, like. I, I will say this. I do remember, like, I, it was a very good. I almost was a junior. Okay. I almost was Jeff Towns Jr. And I, I am very thankful that they decided to not do that. Yeah. And, like. It, it then showed me, like, you know, if I'm blessed to ever have children, if I'm blessed to have a son, I would never name him Corey Towns Jr. Yeah. Because I want him to have his own identity. name, identity, everything like that. But, um, I, you know, through the years, I, I found music has obviously always been very big to me, mm -hmm. big for me. Um, and I guess I found ways to kind of supplement my love for music, not through DJing, but through other shit. So, like, I have been hosting parties and events since I was, like, 18. Like, like. I might have just started my freshman year of college. Oh, okay. So, you know, whether it was that, whether it was, you know, writing about music, like that was like, whenever someone would ask me if they found out who my dad was, and the next question is always, you know, well, do you DJ? You know, I would always kind of joke like, ah, you know, the DJ, the music gene skipped me and it went to my little brother because my little brother's a rapper. You know what I'm saying? My little brother's a rapper and an actor. Um, and like, it's weird because he's like, he's about to turn 20. And I remember kind of meeting him. We have different mothers, but like kind of like coming back in contact with him as he's gotten older. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, yo, like this nigga really like raps. Like, yo, this nigga really like acts. Like this nigga, like, like, do you know who Mac Ayers is? Uh, no. So Mac Ayers is is, is an R&B artist. Well, he's like an R&B, like kind of soul artist. Oh, he's from New yeah, York. A-Y-R-E-S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So like, I was with Mac this past week at my dad at the Players Retreat this oh, okay. year. And he tells me that my little brother's on his album. I'm just like, the fuck? Like, oh, you what? found out through him? Yeah, I found out through him. Yeah, you know crazy. what I'm saying? So, like, it, it really made me see, like, yo, like, my brother, like, raps for real. Like, he does that shit for real. So, I'll always say, like, ah, yeah, skip me. Um, but what I, I guess, in, in hindsight, knowing what I know now, because I will always host parties and because I will always just be around DJs, I guess I sub And I was always around good DJs. I never really, like, rocked parties with, like, sucky DJs. Mm -hmm. Because I was always around good DJs and I did it consistently... I guess I start picking up shit from right. them just subconsciously, like whether it's music transitions, whether it's different things they would do, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. with the, you know, the turntables or, you know, just even operating Serato, like just I would always see and see and be around certain shit. So like whether it was um my man DJ Classic, who used to DJ at Temple when I used to be at like I used to do like temple parties and stuff. Um, you know, going all the way through the Henny Palooza years and and Doing parties with Mecca and doing parties with uh, like Austin Mills, to you know when we would had our little like you know DJ crew like the Left Coast and that was like Mecca, my man, my man Jay, my man Words Nasty from Rhode Island, my man Spinelect from from California from LA, mm. to you know getting cool with my, with my man Chase B who's Travis Scott's DJ mm. and we had our like little short run of like doing the whole for the city party shit. Like, I would always just around the DJs. And the reason... So, like, I've, I've realized around this time last year that I wanted to learn how to DJ. And it was past, like, a fleeting, you know, if I could, if I would. Because I've always had moments where I would be in a party and I'd be like, well, damn, if I was spinning, I'd play this. And, like, I would almost tell a song before it came. 
Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh shit, like, you get up playing. Oh, you played like, oh, okay, word. Or, or I would like if the nigga played a song that was ass, I'd be like, I'd have played this, <laughs> yeah, and this would have sounded better. Or I might say it to a homie, and they'd be like, yo, that would have been that been crazy, like shit like that. So I've always had those moments. Um, I kind of equated to like, like an X Man, kind of like realizing his powers, but not oh, okay. knowing what he was doing, right? Type shit. So it'd be like shit like that. And I remember um, around this time last year, like August of this of of twenty eighteen. I went to my dad's house. Uh, he lives in Delaware. And like, just to like get out of the city, clear my head. You know, last summer was a really, really wild summer for me. And, um, you know, we're talking in his studio. And I remember I was just asking him like DJ questions. And for me, like talking to my dad is probably one of my favorite activities in the world just because of all the things that you've seen and all these experiences. And like, you know, I've realized as I've gotten older that I just want to learn as much about him as I can. Mm-hmm. So like, I love talking to him about music. I love like, I always just loved that. You know what I'm saying? Even if it was like, if you talk about DJing a certain shit, I just would not know because right. I just didn't know it. And I remember I was asking him questions and um, I remember I asked him, I asked him something specifically about what he thought about people DJing on DJ controllers. And, you know, he gave me an answer. He was like, yo, man, he's like, I think it's dope. He was like, you know, he's like with DJing, the fact that more people have opportunities to DJ means that DJing is going to live a lot longer. Mm. He was like, a lot of older DJs would be like, ah, that's not real. Or like, oh, that ain't real DJing or shit like that. He's like, man, that's bullshit. He was like, essentially, because once you get on t- once you get on controllers, you're then going to want to learn how to do turntables. Right. And that's, that's the quote unquote pure way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I came out, I asked him a couple more shits and he, was, he stopped me. He was just like, you want to learn how to DJ? And I remember I was like, what? He was like, do you want to learn how to DJ? And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I kind of want to tell him no. Like, nah, nah. Because mm-hmm. I always had a big thing. Like, if I learn, I'm going to learn on my own and present it to him. Mm-hmm. But then I was just like, man, fuck it. That's stupid. And I was just like, yeah, I do want to learn how to DJ. And he was like, he was like, you for real? And I was like, yeah. He got up, walked into a second room in the studio, came back with a, with a big ass box, placed in front of my feet. He was like, here. He's a like, where's computer? I'll, I'll give you Serato right now. Word. Got my computer, start analyzing all my music, and I might have been in the studio for like an hour. Just like, whatever. Now, I had that shit since August, and I'll never forget on the bus ride back to, the bus ride back to New York, um, I had my big ass box with my luggage or whatever, and his old, head's on the, his old head's on the bus, and he sees it, and he's like looking at it. Philly kicks in me, I'm like, all right, this nigga not gonna try to take my shit, I'm gonna fucking steal this nigga. Right. But he's like, he's like, hey man, he's like, you a DJ? And I was like, nah, I'm starting to learn. And he was like, oh man, he's like, see, that's that new nigga shit, man. Like, <laughs> new niggas wanna learn on, new niggas wanna learn on. Uh, oh, he was giving you the business about the controllers? Yeah, like, new niggas wanna learn on controllers, man. You know, when I came up, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm from, I'm from the Bronx. When I came up, I remember seeing parties with, this old DJ and, 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 and Grandmaster Flash and Cool Herc. And I remember seeing these cats, man, you know, you know, not shitting on you, young blood, <laughs> but you're shitting on me. Yeah. Like, not shitting on you, young blood, but like, you know, that's that's that new nigga shit, man. You need to like, if you're going to learn, you need to learn correct. So part of me was like, okay, I'm going to see how this shit goes. And I was just like, oh, where? I was like, so like, who who DJs you like? He was like, where are you from? Well, I'm from Philly. I'm, 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 cause I'm hot too. Cause I'm like, yeah. nigga, you just inserted yourself in this whole yeah. shit. I'm trying you don't to know home, nothing bro. about me. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, well, I was like, where are you from? He was like, I was like, I'm from Philly. He was like, oh yeah, man. He's like, see, you gotta know. He's like, you gotta know about cats like, uh, uh, uh Cash Money and, and Gary O and, and and DJ Jazzy Jeff and nah, 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 nah. 
I was like, oh, word? Yeah. I was like, bet. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know them real well. And he was like, he's like, I can't tell you, I'm blood. You working on this controller shit, all this little digital shit. I'm like, no, I know them real well. And he was like, how is that? I was like, my dad is Jazzy Jeff. And he got quiet. He was like, he was like, nigga, you bullshit. I was like, I'm dead ass serious. Not because I'm mad. Yeah, I'm, I'm hot now. Yeah. And I saw, and like whenever I tell somebody, because I don't tell that people that many people like that, mm-hmm. you know, who my dad is. But I saw the face that I normally see where like they kind of like stop. They scan my face. Kind of equate it to the memory that they have of what my dad looks like. And like just see that I'm not bullshitting. And he's just like, yo, you dead ass? <laughs> And I was like, yeah. I was like, and he teaching me how to do this shit on this. He gave me this. And he was just like, oh, man, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Nigga. You know, like, yo, we need, we need that. Like, yo, he totally changes to him. He started, like, telling me all this shit. I was like, yo, G, I was like, look, man, like, I was like, I give you respect because you're older than me. I was like, but understand, you ain't know my story for nothing. Like, and you can't really, you can't equate somebody's journey. It's like, look, I'm not a DJ yet. I said, like, but you can't equate somebody's story or or how somebody's getting into this this craft just based on the equipment. Because mm-hmm. you don't know where their mindset is at. You don't know where their mentality is. And you don't even know, like, the pedigree they're coming from. Word. And he, you know, it was one of those moments where, like, you know, like, when you teach an older cat something, he was just like, no, nah, you know what? I respect you, young blood. He was like, yo, my, I want to apologize. Like, he really got some, like, oh, him, your shit, I want to apologize. Like, <laughs> you know, I came with you all wrong. You know what I'm saying? I did judge you, brother. He was like, yo, I wish you well the whole nine. So I remember, you know, just coming home with it and shit. Like, I remember I had it, you know, we're in my living room right now, but I had it right here, like, near, like, my, like, indoor grill. Mm. And I didn't touch that shit for, like, four months. I remember I took it out of the box. I tried setting it up. I didn't know what button from what. Mm-hmm. It just was Was it in the sense Like intimidating It was like, incredibly yeah. intimidating And I was just like Bro like, what the fuck I'm gonna do with this shit Like What the fuck I'm gonna do with this And um, I, it. I didn't touch it I left it in the box And At the time I got hired To work at this Music distribution label in LA And I worked with them For about Maybe about four months And uh, You know Going into the new year In January You know for me My days Would always start At, at noon because I would be here and everybody else would be in LA. So like they wake up at nine, the emails start coming around at nine mm-hmm. o'clock. And um my man Kenny, who was just here, mm-hmm. um, Kenny's the reason why I DJ now. Like, you know, he had to leave out I, I don't even know if I've ever told him that. But um he's legitimately the reason why I DJ because I remember one day, you know, you know, he like he's a photographer and like, you know, he's 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 moving to New York, he's trying to move to New York and like you know, he just got himself a new crib out here or whatever. But he was really on the grind from Philly. Like, I want to make it up here type shit. And he was just like, yo, dog, like, fuck is you doing? Like, one day, one random day in January, what the fuck is you doing? And I was like, what? He was like, bro. He was like, you got a good three hours. You wake up around like 7, 8 a.m. every day. You have until 7 to like 12. And you don't do shit. You watch Sports Center. You play 2K. You bullshit. Right. Like, you basically wait around for your job to start. He was like, you talking all this shit about how, like, these things you want to do, be more productive with your time. Like, yo, you talking that shit, you want to start doing consulting, start meeting niggas to make your potential clients. You talking all this shit about how you want to, like, you know what I'm saying, come up with different forms of revenue in your life, figure out, like, 
to have meetings, take yeah. meetings. Sometimes like, you need that person to you tell you. You need about that. He yeah. was like, yo, you talking this shit about you want a DJ, nigga? Like, fucking DJ. Learn. You got time. And then when your day started, when the email started and shit like that, then you get to work. He was like, but yo, you be having half a day and you don't be doing shit. Mm. And I remember I was just like, God damn, man. <laughs> Fuck, man. Like, I, just, I like sports center niggas. Basketball season. I want to watch highlights and shit. But he was right. Right. And I remember maybe from like the second weekend of, J- of January on to like maybe April. I need to actually get back to doing it. I practice an hour a day at least. Uh, upwards like two hours a day for for. For three or four months, so it'll just be like a new mix of day. Just, just, just learn, just learning. Oh, okay. Everything, learning my controller, learning music. Cause like what what I've realized is that when you learn a DJ, especially like cause I I taught myself. I never really had like many like consistent lessons. Mm. You have to learn music all over again. Like, I I had to I had to relearn songs because I I would listen to songs just as a music listener. I wouldn't listen to songs from a DJ's ear. I wouldn't listen. I would. I had to learn what it's like if a song has a four-bar intro, or if a song is eight bars into the hook, or you know what I'm saying, like from the first verse to the hook is eight bars, or if the song drops on the three instead of the four, mm-hmm. like different shit like that. So I had to relearn all of my music, like as I knew it, because because then because then when you start doing that, you realize, oh, this song is 98 BPMs. Now, it's the same amount of BPM, same as this record. Let me see if I can blend these two records together that don't even sound like. Gotcha, yeah. But because they're the same BPM, nine times out of ten, it's something sonically that like it'll make it blend. Or, oh, this song is in 2F, and this song is in 2F. They may be different BPMs, but if I can match the BPMs, they're in the same key. So I can like make them sound sonically the same and like blend shit like that. So I had to relearn all that shit. And... It got to the point, I mean, slowly but surely, it got to the point where I was just like, you know, I'd be doing shit in here, right here on my island, have, I would have my little speaker set up or whatever, and like, niggas would be doing work on the couch in the living room. And then, you know, I would do some shit, I would make a, I would, I would try scratching, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess now that I'm more familiar, like, I definitely understand, at least with my controller, I can't really scratch as, as much or as well as I can on like actual turntables. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel the same. Excuse me. Um, but like I would try doing shit, and just over time, I uh, just over time I would do shit, and like I would do shit in here, and I would like make a, I would blend a song into another record, and I would just see niggas' heads pop up from whatever they're doing. Like, like nigga, that that shit was kind of hard. Like different shit like that. And right. it, what it taught me was, I expected to be really bad. Cause I had never done it before. Like I was just like, man, I don't know what the fuck this shit is or whatever. And then I don't want to say I got it like that, but certain aspects of it, it wasn't that hard to like grasp, like beat matching, you know, finding, you know, like kind of matching songs and blending and stuff like that. I kind of had a natural ear for that. So like, I'm just like, oh, okay. Like this is it. And like, I remember one of the, my dad was on a lot of traveling that just so happened during this time. So. We didn't even really talk as if I was learning how to, as I was teaching myself. But one thing he told me in one of our conversations was like, yo, record everything you do because you're going to listen to it. When you listen back, you'll be like, oh, that was good. I can take that. Uh, that wasn't that good. Nix that. Or maybe I did this with this. Like, I look at DJing 
it's kind of like playing a video game, like a fighting game, mm-hmm. and no one moves. So it's like, oh, I can mesh this record into this. And then, like, then you start, like, you know, how, like, right. chain combos. Yeah. I can do this record into that, into that. And if I stop it here and let the beat go out or let the people sing the record, I can immediately drop something in. And, like, then, like, then you, your mind starts working in that. It got to a point where it's like DJing was all I thought about. I woke up, went to, I woke up, ate, I ate, slept, and shit, DJing. Like, right. I, would, I would go to sleep and be like, damn, I should do that. Or, damn, I need that record or whatever, whatever. So I would start, like, I will have a note in my phone of, like, songs that I need to download. If I would hear something out, I would, I would Shazam it and be like, oh, all right, I need that record. Put it in my phone. Um, I remember around the same time, my, one of my homies uh, who would crash here from time to time um, is from Nigeria. Well, he's, well, he's from Philly, but he's Nigerian. Mm-hmm. And like, this is when I kind of start getting a little more familiar with like Afrobeat music and stuff like that. And like, you know, just like any other American, I was here the same records, Fall, If, Drogba, yeah. uh, Joanna and shit. It's like, like the starting five pretty much at any, like, like, <laughs> any party, yeah, yeah. So like I would hear it and I remember I would, I would, a lot of the stuff that I do now, <clears throat> and, or a lot of the early inspirations that I had with DJing now comes from things that I've seen and experienced at functions. So like if I have homies and like, they, like the DJ plays them same ass records, Niggas like, yo, there's so much more Afrobeat out here instead of fucking Drugba. Mm. Like, I hate fucking Drugba. Like, that would be them. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to hear fucking Drugba no more. Yeah, or, like, shit I would see on the timeline or whatever. So, like, when I would when I would see that, you know, I would hit him like, yo, like, do you, like, send me more, like, Afrobeat. Like, send me more, like, shit. Anything you come across. Like, this is the point. Like, he's in Nigeria now. And, like, Uzo will text me some Nigerian, like, some, some Afrobeat shit. Mm. And so I started kind of building a, like a folder of just all Afrobeat shit. Like I made it a point in my sets, anybody who's ever listened to me play, I'll never play Drugba, I'll never play If, I'll never play none of this shit because I'm like, there's so much Word. more to do. And then it's like, then I started listening and kind of falling into artists. Like, oh, all right, Burner Boy is fire. Like Burner Boy kind of makes music that I can relate to, but even though I don't understand what the fuck he be saying. <laughs> yeah. Like I can listen to Burner Boy, I can listen to WizKid, I can listen mm-hmm. to Santi. I can listen to um, this young boy named Remy. Right, yeah, um, yeah. I can listen to them, like, like without DJing. You know what I'm saying? Like, because in a big part, like, I need to tell myself, like, yo, still listen to music, not just as a DJ. So I was like, I can listen to this shit. And then I would start to kind of, like, integrate that into, like, my sets. So it got to a point where, um, coming back to the, the, the something in the water shit, one day I was like, one day I asked myself, like, all right, what music do I know the best? And I was like, I know Neptune's music the best. Like, just from hearing it all these years and whatever. So I decided to make a Neptune's mix. I have, obviously, I have my entire collection as a, as a folder. And I just, I burned, like, a good hour and 15 minutes. Just record and record and record. And it really kind of showed me how, like, I stacked, like, how I build up from BPMs, go back down, mm-hmm. build up again, whatever. And like, it was kind of like how I write. Like I write, whenever I write articles or interviews or whatever, I just write what comes to mind. And then it's like, when I, I know I'm done, when I'm, when I'm done, I know I'm done. And I just put my pen down and like, whatever's there is like my piece. It was the same with that mix. And I listened to it. I listened to it maybe about good, maybe like 10 times straight through. And I was just like, yo, this shit actually like, this sounds like somebody's mix. And I remember I had this shit playing one morning as we cleaned the crib. And like, didn't tell niggas who did it. 
Oh, okay. And niggas yeah. was like, yo, this nigga, whoever this nigga. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> I was like, man, it's some nigga I found on SoundCloud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and niggas was like, yo, this shit crazy. Like, and at the end of it, I was like, I did that. And they was like, you bullshit. And I showed him. I was like, yeah, this is me. And they was like, yo, you got to put that out. They like, you got to put that out. Like, mm-hmm. you got to, like, this, that, that shit was good. That shit was good. Like, not even no qualifiers or nothing. Like, you got to put that out. And I was just like, all right. Like, because again, you know, kind of like you said, you want to, like, maybe stay low. Yeah. Teach yourself or whatever. I realized by doing that, I was going to put a lot of pressure on myself. Because my thing is, what if I stay low for six months to a year, teach myself how to DJ, and when I finally come out, I'm ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I did, I did this shit for a year, and I'm ass, nigga. Like the fuck. Yeah. Like at least if I if I do it, at least if I do it, and if I like, if my journey is public, you know, I'm gonna fall. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have some failures. Like but people still see the, the they see the they see the yeah. growth. Like somebody may hear me one day and be like, oh yeah, that wasn't his best set. I've had moments like that where I, where I thought like yo I. I didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But then they may see me elsewhere and ask my in a couple months or a year or whatever and be like, oh no, like that, I remember her. That nigga was trash at such and such, but he's fucking killing that shit now. Yeah. Like, it basically shows this growth. It shows it shows the journey that I'm on. So I was just like, all right, fuck it. Like, I was just like, yeah, for people that's been wondering, like, if I DJ, if I DJ now, and this is my first mix. And again, people was like, the fuck like yo you DJ at first I got a lot of like good for you man like finally <laughs> like finally like we've been wanting you to DJ and about time like I got yeah. a lot of that shit but then as people started listening to the mix it was like like you really you did this and I'm just like yeah so niggas been thinking I've been DJing for years oh okay just on the low yeah and like when I tell them I was like no nah, I've only been DJing for four months and niggas just like I don't believe that like not with this sounding like this and I was just like yeah no like I've only Four months. It was like, I've been teaching myself over the last four months. And niggas just like, that's fucking crazy. Like, that's insane. And um, my man Doug, uh, who's down, um, my man Doug and my man Eric, they're both in Virginia. Um, They're down there and they were doing a party for something in the water. And, you know, they hit me. It was just like, yo, would you want to DJ a set down here? And I remember just being scared. At that, at that point in time, I hadn't even DJ in public yet. Like, Oh, you had just put the, the mix out? Just put the mix out. And I was just like, the fuck? Like, what? And it was a, it was a crossroads moment for me because I was just like, okay, how serious are you about this shit? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to take a step off the porch or are you going you gonna to jump off the porch? And I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump off the porch. Like, and admittedly so, like, I, like, I bought my own ticket down to Virginia. Um... I stayed with my man Mouse Jones and his family. Uh, they put me up down Virginia Beach. Virginia was love, man. I, like I, I immediately felt for Virginia Beach. Like I was only down there for not even ten hours, but like from the time I landed to the time that I got my like not even credentials because I really didn't have credentials or shit. I didn't touch a single aspect of the festival. I didn't see the festival. I didn't step on festival grounds. Oh, you literally nothing. just got there. I literally say. got there, went to. I was on my way to the festival and I found out that we drove past the spot. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, let me do sound check. And by the time I did sound check, I was like, all right, I might as well stay. And then I stayed. And then, like, I had the gig. And after the gig, I left. Like, the, the festival was over. Mm-hmm. Like, and admittedly so, like, if any of them niggas who was listening, that shit was not good. It was the first time I had worked with any, like, other equipment. I worked with a Pioneer uh, mixer, a Pioneer controller down there. I don't know if it was 
I don't know if it was a thing of me hearing me play that loud because it's the sound in that spot was fucking insane. Yeah. I don't know if I don't think it was necessarily nerves, but I will say that like once shit wasn't hitting as I was as I was used to it hitting, I started to get nervous. Right. And I was just like it wasn't my best at all. Like yeah. so I want to go back down Virginia and like do some proper shit because right. like the people that were there, like I I could tell it's kind of like okay, <laughs> like you yeah. know the mix was alright, but like the mix was good, but oh okay, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, that might have been my second live performance. I remember I I, uh, I spun at a bar, uh, Bedvine cocktail with my homegirl Tony for my birthday. Mm. That was my first ever time DJing in front of people. Oh okay. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean I did that, and like, if you remember, if you ever watched the Social Network, and there was this scene where um, Mark Zuckerberg ran into that girl that he made initially made the Facebook about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like she like kind of played him at the restaurant, like. Like, I don't give a fuck about a Facebook nigga. Fuck out of here. Like, good luck with whatever you're making. And the nigga rushed back. His partner was like, we need to expand. Mm -hmm. I came back from Virginia with that mindset. Like, I have to get better. Like, I got to get better. I got to do this shit. Like, I need to, I'm practicing more. I'm working on shit more. Like, just the whole nine. And um, that was my time where I decided, I was like, yo, if I'm I'm doing this, I'm doing this for real. So, I'm like, DJing is my full-time job now. You know what I'm saying? Um, I have a manager. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this for real. I'm going to get... Somebody take care of my business. So all I got to do is really worry about creating and creating. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, more gigs just kind of started popping up. And I really just looked at, at, the, at parties initially and even still do. Like, I definitely still do. Like, I look at it from the perspective of, like, I, I got shit to prove. Not to anybody else, but, like. I can see how easy it is for someone to be like, oh, yeah, I know Corey Towns. I've heard of Corey Towns. Oh, he's DJing. That's what's up. I'm going to go check him out. Mm. But I want it to get to a point where niggas leave. Niggas be like, yo, that nigga Corey is nice. Like, like he fucked that party up. And, like, that's my goal every time I go to a function. Every time I do a function, like, you know, whether it's like I, I DJ the body roll party here in New York, I wanted to burn body roll the fuck down because I knew that it was going to be a group of people in there that has known me for years. And I need, I wanted to show them that, like, I'm not playing. Yeah, I'm not playing. Yeah. I ain't playing with these niggas. Like, I had the opportunity to DJ Crawfish Boil, like, the big the big down south party. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They have every summer. They got to do some grits and biscuits, do The Slade brothers hit me up. was like, would you want to DJ? I said, yes. I was like, I had another gig that day, but I was like, I'll make time. I, I, I had an hour, and I was like, I'm going to fuck this hour up. And I fucked that joint up. It got to the point where niggas was like, yo, I didn't even know you had it like that. Like, mm-hmm. So, like, that's been my mentality. That's been my mindset. Like, I fuck everything up and, like, just make believers out of people. You know what I'm saying? And um, when it came to throwing my own shit, it was basically a thing of just, like, again, a, a lot of reasons why I do what I do as far as DJing is because I, I've kind of, I want to take care of the things that I thought was missing from functions out here in New York. So it's like, yeah, you know, niggas ain't never, like, niggas, like, niggas had a, a Neptune's party, but it wasn't like a, I don't want to say it wasn't a Neptune's party, because it was. I hosted that party. It was definitely a Neptune's party, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do a Neptune's party my own way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, even with Family Reunion, you know, I, I wanted, like, me doing the Neptune's party, I came up with Yes Sir, um, which is the name of the party. It was Yes Sir, a Neptune's function. I hit up. You know, my homies, my homegirl T, my homegirl Niara and Mecca 
to DJ it with me because I knew those are three people that all know good Neptune's music. Mm. Um, you know, I reached out to the folks, my man Jonas connected me to folks at Kimfolk in Brooklyn. We set the date for the party. Everything was going normal. You know, once again, he pops up when he wants. Pharrell tweets about the party. I see RCPs go up like 600 people in 30 minutes. Yeah. So like, I email Kimfolk like, ah, just to let you know, yeah. this is what happened. <laughs> kind of playing accordingly. And like, we, we packed out Kim, Kimfolk 90. I think Kimfolk 90 has like a 170, 150 people capacity. I packed it shit out an hour. Line was around the corner. Like, I'm stressed out because people can't get in. Like, I'm, I ultimately want everyone to come in and have a good time. Yeah. And I remember the venue manager was like, this is your first party ever? And I was like, yeah. He's like, this is fucking amazing. And I, I wasn't looking at it like that. I got, I was in, I had an a email from the booking agent was just like, yo, when do you want to do something again? And so that's how I came up with Family Reunion. Oh, I was just okay. like, I want to have, I wanted to create a residency for myself where I knew that every whatever I'm DJing at this one spot and then I was like you know I want to start coming up with like a theme behind it and like invite out dope really dope DJs and you know just give I wanted to just create an environment and a function where people can just come and just like enjoy themselves whether it's the patrons like race color creed sexual orientation yeah. whatever like just come, just come and, yeah. and just have fun like when from a DJ perspective I always tell my DJs, this shit is open format. If you want to play fucking disco, do that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, play whatever you want. Because it's not a lot of times where DJs are, are granted that freedom. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times, it's kind of like, ah, I got to play what I know the crowd is going to like. When essentially, my main thing was, yo, I like to play music that I listen to in the crib. Because I know other people like to listen to that music in the crib. Right. I, I played a party before in LES. And I played a currency record. A nigga came and gave me a five dollar tip. Said I've never heard currency in the club in New York, and it was like life under the scope or some shit. It was like some like obscure, fucking cootie and chike oh, okay. era control. type yeah. shit. Yeah, it was like some creative control type yeah. shit. Like, and he was like, I've never heard this in the club before, yo. He was like, yo, you might be one of the most ill DJs I've seen. I'm like, nigga, I played a record, but it's little shit like yeah. that. So for DJs, I'm like, yo, play what the fuck you want. Like, my man James came and did the first two with me. And like we were playing songs back to back, and like we end up playing fucking disco for like forty five minutes, and all the like, especially all the women that came, like it was just a sea of just beautiful black women just having a good ass time, singing as loud as they can. Like nigga Jinx was like, bro, this is the best part I've ever done, cause I ain't have I, I could play whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah, it's like, no restriction. You know what I'm saying? So like that's the type of that's the type of vibe I'm on with uh, with. For real, for real, mostly all the projects, the DJ projects that I'm doing now, where it's just like, I just want to, I want to be able to play anything. You know what I'm saying? And I want to get, I want to create spaces for people that they can just enjoy themselves and just and dance and have a good time. And like, you don't got to worry about niggas Instagramming all the time and like shit like that. Not saying I'm against that, but it's just like, I want you to be so focused on having a good time that you're not even thinking about grabbing your phone out. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's kind of been my, uh, that's been my thing so far, where it's just like, you know, so far in this in this journey of DJing, it's just like, you know, like this shit ain't a game for me. This shit has be, quickly become my life. Um, you know, like I had a chance to go to, you know, the playlist retreat, the the event that my dad, or the, the retreat that my dad throws every year for the last five years, where like he basically brings some of the most creative and best minds in music to his house. 
know what I'm saying? Old and new. And like I had gone a couple years. I've gone several times prior, but this is the first time I've gone as a participant. Dope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I think like the first year I went and I helped. I was like doing shit for people and like, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Like just helping out with the retreat. The second year I went as like media and I was like doing you know, like little interviews and shit like that. Like this year I just went and just learned and just like listened and talked to people and just like shit like that. It was probably the best week of my life because like it allowed me to meet and allowed me to see, um, it allowed me to meet and see people that um, I've respected so much. You know what I'm saying? Just from a DJ perspective, like cat young and old. Like I met guys like the hooligan. I met guys like Miles Medina. I met I met my man Full Crate, who's like a producer and shit like that. Like, you know, I'm very I've always been very big in the uh in the selection scene. You know what I'm saying? So like seeing cats, you know, like, oh these are so, like these are selection niggas here, like just mm-hmm. learning like bro, like we shared music like as an entire thing. It was like a hundred some people just sharing music. I have so much music like just shared music, like everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's literally almost like community shit where it's like, dog, we all just came together under the, the, the guise of music and just like helping each other. And yo, like, you take this and I'll take this. Like, it goes, it went so much against what we normally hear about like musicians and like, oh, I don't want to share my shit with these niggas. Like, no, like. It gives you the space for that. Gives you the space. And like, you know, like, especially for me, I, I kind of went into it not knowing what to expect because like, I know why I was there. I was there because my dad is throwing it. But it was like, I came out of it like, no dog, you are a young, like not to say validation, but like cats treat me like, yo, we know you're a young DJ who's learning. So we gonna teach you shit. We gonna teach you how to like scratch. We gonna teach you how to work on the turntables, on turntables. We gonna teach you just different things. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's it was just different. You know what I'm saying? So I came out of that like incredibly inspired, incredibly just like, yo, I just, I want to do so much now. Um, that's just it, man. That's, that's, that's why I'm in. It's, it's, DJing has been the best decision of my life mm. so far. Word. Um, you know, as we wrap up, um, I'm going to ask, well, for every episode, I'm going to end with uh, these two questions since it's um, the Point Guard Mentality Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's my favorite point guard? Yeah, of all time. <laughs> oh, man. shit. And oh, I feel like I know. Oh, man. Come on. Like, yeah. I wasn't ready for that. And, I was, and why? Don't do that, man. My favorite point guard of all time? I don't fucking know, man. I'm... And I'm the first person, so I yeah. gotta give a fire answer. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think I was gonna say? I was gonna say, I thought you were gonna say Iverson. See, my thing is I don't consider Allen Iverson a point guard. Okay, true. Like or 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 I'll say Allen Iverson was a point guard, was primarily a point guard in college and towards the end of his career. During the highlight of his career, as I grew up with him, he was a straight-up two-guard. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say Iverson. I can't say Magic just because I don't have enough moments with Magic, although I do respect Magic's game. A personal favorite? Okay, can I give, like, like personal, personal favorites? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I just want to say, man, like, I did not fuck with you for this question. Like, <laughs> it's a tough uh, question, yeah. First person that comes that comes to mind as a, as a personal favorite would 
definitely be, I would probably say Steve Nash. Mm. I think Steve Nash, to me, just did, at least on the offensive end, he could give it to you however however he wanted. You know what I'm saying? Whether it was playmaking, whether it was the passes, whether it was, you know, the you know, his his shooting game, like his offensive game like that. He had the ratty from, from downtown. So, like, you know, you knew better than leave him open with that. I'll probably say, just off the top of my head, just without really having to think too hard, I'll probably say him. Personal favorites, Jason Williams. Um, Steve Francis. And current game, obviously, Kyrie, Steph, Dame. Dame is a dog. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you one of my obscure pick, A.C. Law from Texas a yeah. Because I remember those years. A.C. Yeah. Law yeah. was, he was a super dog. Cool. He was A.C. Super Law cool. and Juan Dixon. I think, like, if I had to, like, give, like. Man, Juan Dixon. Like, if I had to give, like. like maybe that like might an be. Like an out there. Yeah, like an out there joint. Of just like I wouldn't even say my favorite point guards, but just niggas that I just remember that just gave it up. Filthy, AC Law and Juan Dixon. I remember AC Law played up against Kevin Durant and gave and gave Kevin Durant's team everything they could fucking handle. And Juan Dixon was just Juan Dixon. Yeah. Like that's it. But uh that's a hard ass question, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna submit some shit <laughs> yeah. later. But um, um and um, my second question would be, uh, who is in your Hall of Fame? Not as in, like, players, but maybe just, like, influences and people in your life. I mean, you've said, like, some of them. Mm-hmm. Who do you induct into your Hall of Fame? Who's a Hall of, Hall of Fame of my influences? Or just in your life. In oh, general. just in my life. Yeah. Jeffrey Allen Towns, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Pharrell Williams, um, Tina Byers, my mother. Ralph Savage, my grandfather. Um, Anthony Gilbert, mentor of mine. He's a sports writer uh, from Philadelphia. Marcus Troy, um, somebody who, who, who took time out of his schedule to meet, to give knowledge and share knowledge with a kid he never met before at the time. Um, Damn. Yeah, that might that might that might really that might be it off the like, top of my head. Like those are people that I can definitely say have like shaped my life. Um with just knowledge, with mm-hmm. with with kind of showing me how to move, showing me how I wanna move. Um Yeah, that's probably it. Okay, cool. Well um Yo, thanks, man. Yo, thank you, bro. Yeah. I mean, I I will say like, you know, we've we've been following each other for for a good while now. Um, you know, I'm I'm very happy to see your growth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Just as a, as a creative and as a person, you know, I, I've I've, you know, I've seen Liddy Boys kind of develop, from my perspective, from an idea to something like actually like, tangible and something that people can see and touch and feel and experience and. Um, you know, like the new brand. First off, I need all them tees. Whenever oh, I come yeah, out them drums, I need all that. <laughs> gotcha. But um, no, nah, man. You know, just uh, you know, for me, and you didn't ask, but if I can just give any advice, I would, I would definitely say, um, don't be afraid 
to fail. Mm. Don't be afraid to take steps back at different shit you're doing. Don't be afraid to kind of, you know, circle your wagons and regroup. Right. And don't be afraid to kind of cap, like, to execute the ideas that you think. Like, that's been the main thing for me that I've learned over the past now eight months is that, you know, the ideas that I have are ideas for a reason. And, you know, the ideas you have are ideas for a reason. And it's, and, and, if something is in your head for a good amount of time, it's there for a reason. Right. Like the name Yes Sir was in my head for a long time for that Neptune's party. The 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 idea of family reunion or the name family reunion was in my head for a long time before having, you know, my, my residency. Like the, the, the idea and phrase of good John for like my overall like I guess you could say like like party brand or yeah. a function brand was in like that's been in my life as long as I can remember. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, if I can give any advice to you, man, like tap into those like natural urges or natural feelings that you have about shit because nine times out of 10, those are the ideas that you you feel the most passionate about, even though if you haven't tapped into them yet. Yeah. And those are ideas that you probably know the best. All right, man, boy. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming to the Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, bro. Had to make it happen. We got to get y'all come out to a family reunion. Yeah, you know, for sure. Sometime soon. And um, yeah, man, thank you. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, thank you for tuning in for the first episode of PGM. And uh, we'll catch you on the second Point episode. guard mentality. <laughs>